Hey everybody, I'm Grant. And I'm Eric. It's me, Ryan. Ryan's here. Oh shit, we got another person. Yeah, yeah. and you're listening to the Quacking Ducks podcast where generally each week we take turns picking a piece of media for the other person to experience. But instead, Ryan, what did we talk about today? Today we talked about the movies that came out that we watched this past year that we consider purple movies. And whatever that means, you'll find out soon enough. So I'm happy that uh, we can talk about something other than cats. I swear to God, if one of you has a purple movie that's cats, I saw cats this year, so I won't I talk saw about it for last for year. But last year, I won't okay. tell you whether or not I it's on the list. Promise you, cats is in purple on my list for this year. So, you have a year to worry about it. Prepare. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. Uh, we watched a bunch of movies, all of us, this mm-hmm. last year, a bunch of new movies, and wrote them all down. Uh, we should cl- clarify, new to us, not necessarily new yes, to that yes, year. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, this is something, Brian, what made you start doing this when you started it? Uh, I started in 2016, writing them down. I didn't start doing the other thing until 2018, but... Um, I just was like, I watch a lot of movies from time to time, and I never remember ones I've seen sometimes, so I'm just going to start writing down all the movies I watch to keep a more accurate count. So, uh, I started in 2016, like halfway through the year, so I had to like put all the movies on a list, and it's slowly gotten organized over time, like 2016 isn't in order, 17 is in order, 2018 was the first year I did over 100, and then last year I put it by, I, I now have the actual months listed, so I can track by month as no. well. Fancy. So when did and you have the goal of seeing 100 in a year? Uh, 2018 was the goal. Because okay. uh, 2017, I'd only seen 40. 2016, I'd only seen 43. And I was like, I could do a whole lot Damn. more than that. Oh, yeah. So, and I was like... And when did you start listing what you've called purple movies? And what does that mean? Uh, so starting in 2018, I was like, I'm going to start like in my google sheets of where i track all the movies that i watch i'm going to start putting certain movies in a different color i decided on purple for whatever reason uh because i was already using like yellow or uh, orangish for a different one and green for video games um completions so i was like i'll do purple and they'll just be movies that to me either like they're not necessarily good movies but they're movies that stood out to me that i either really liked or like had something memorable about them or things that like i just would keep thinking about weeks after seeing them because when you do and not even saying that like 100 movies is a super large amount of movies yeah. like there are definitely people out there who watch way more when you start watching a larger amount of movies there are ones that like going back through my list i could be like i've remembered nothing about this movie so like ones that tend mm-hmm. to stick out tend to be something that i find more interesting sometimes than finding just really good movies that i'll like watch and then forget <laughs> about like a month later yeah, it's, cool. it's kind of like the, the like, discovery, or, you know, like, the the closest we can get in this modern age to the, like, rubbaging through a bin of old movies at a store, or, like, going to a thrift store and walking the shelves of VHSs, like, 
can't really do that anymore. You could just watch a fuck ton of movies on Netflix and Shudder and Disney Plus and Amazon and Hulu and yeah. Between the twenty streaming platforms, you'll probably find like five to ten a year that you're like, oh shit, this one was surprising and cool and interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then so. Eric, you did this last year, right? Like yeah, last, last yeah. Year. I knew Brian. So I was living with Brian in 2017. I knew he was doing this, and like I think he just was talking about like, oh yeah, it's a new year, so I'm starting a new list. So in 2018, I, I had moved out and was living somewhere else, but I was already familiar with Brian doing this. So then I started doing it as well in 2018, um, mm-hmm. and then I didn't do the purple highlight until this the end of this year end of 2019 but i did similar kind of thing of like oh you know four to ten of the movies on my list are like i i there's something about them that makes them noteworthy or cool or interesting that i want to talk about with grant and brian or i think last year i just posted on facebook being like hey here's some of the movies i saw that are really fucking cool that no one in their right mind would see unless someone recommends them to so to you so yeah i did do that on facebook too i like wrote like a paragraph about each movie and then Mm. i got like two likes on the facebook post and i was like well that wasn't really a return on investment (laughs) (laughs) i think you commented like on it like the movies that you really liked and stuff like that but i was like well all right like you know it was nice but it also took me like two hours to write everything um i i remember so you from your recommendation, I put some movies on a list of to watch, which I still haven't watched like a year later. Yep. But I will at some point when I feel in the mood. But oh, good. Like I always find that that is useful. Uh, I like getting movie suggestions from you because you usually like see some like stuff that I wouldn't normally come across or something. Yeah. Um, that you would still but- watch, unlike the movies I watch, where you're like, I have to actively avoid those as if they are radioactive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Which will definitely uh, be reflective in my list today. But yeah, so I I started doing this for just this last year, 2019, um, with the same kind of goal, just writing all the stuff down, trying to get at least 100, and and then um, marking, you know, a couple movies that I guess my category, my, like, reason for marking them was just, like, ones that surprise me in some sort of way um generally for the good uh i'd say i think pretty much all of them are uh, were just like better than i thought but um yeah it's not it's not my favorite movies of the year it's it's just ones that i was like oh i didn't expect that to like you said make that much of an impact or something and it made you know it did more than i expected or something so Mm -hmm. um cool well, uh, I suppose we can just start. I, I don't know that we need, I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm, I'm not expecting like a full essay synopsis on this and it would take probably forever because we have mm-hmm. like 30 something movies all between us, but maybe just like a little bit of conversation. Yeah. Like yeah. what is them, the movie? Sure Why is it on the quicker, list? But, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, and then if, the, if other people have like questions. 
Because we each well, have like ten plus movies, so that's right, thirty right. movies. So right, movie we spend minute. two minutes on each one. <laughs> we're gonna be here a while. Yeah, we'll spend uh, uh, yeah. ten minutes on each one. I think Brian should so, go first, though. As I do the too. I think we should go in chrono- of this chronological tradition. order of starting this. So Brian, then yeah. Eric, then me. Woo! Interestingly enough, I'm going through this list and. F- it almost works out that I have a purple movie every month, which is kind of nice. Some months I have two. Uh, somehow in 2018, I had, I had literally three purple movies in a row, which is just fucking bonkers. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I never expect that to happen again. I had two in a row this year, fortunately. Uh, anyway, so last Anyways. year, January, I watched the movie Cure from 1997, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, I, I want there to be a term in which that exists in this world that describes a movie in which you have no clue what it's about mm-hmm. or entirely what the meaning of all the themes are, but you still found it extremely interesting and very good because Curie is one of those movies where it's a very kind of like, op- like obtuse story about a detective trying to solve a series of like weird suicides that have been happening. Mm-hmm. And really revealing anything more is kind of like almost spoilerish, but like the, the main like kind of person that he's coming across is a very weird figure that doesn't exactly like operate by a real logic. And it, it's, it's just a really weird movie. It's like extremely mm-hmm. atmospheric. Like it's, it's, it's just a very, I don't even know how to explain it. It's a very weird movie. And it's, right, kind I, of, I couldn't come up with a term to describe that kind of movie. What? Uh, it's it sounds like I would call that a jellical movie. A jellical movie. Oh, Jesus fuck Christ. Off. You know what? <laughs> jellical doesn't mean anything, but it does mean something. So I guess that's kind of that kind of works. It is uh, actually perfect. I'm sorry, yeah. Grant. I didn't mean to twist the knife, but like Brian did team me up pretty perfectly there. Yeah. Look, honestly- okay. Just for people listening, I have not seen cats. These two obviously have. <laughs> Because uh, um, they twist every conversation back <laughs> to cats. It only uh, happens when you're I'm around. Convinced, I'm convinced that the movie Cats is a viral infection in, in film form. Uh, yeah. I am avoiding it at all costs, but yeah. it gets difficult around <laughs> these yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cure, it's a very good movie. I really like it. I think it's like legitimately a good movie. It's not just a purple movie on here for hmm. being memorable, it's just also, I think, a good movie. But it's also just a very uh, mostly atmospheric and and um, it's less about the plot and more about what the movie makes you feel, uh, because I don't think it the movie kind of really goes to any sort of logical conclusion plot wise. And to me, that's perfectly fine. But it's also a movie that you kind of really need to be in the mood for, because if you're like, I want to watch a movie about a detective solving a murder, that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get something that's oh. way weirder and probably won't satisfy that type of craving for a film. So, Brian, you like me as a huge, huge, like Twin Peaks fan. Do you think yes. I would like this then? Because it's it's like, you know, Twin Peaks is a detective story that is way, way weirder. Is, is that or is that like, um, is that very I, superficial similarity? I don't know if it's my connection, but Eric is cutting in super hard and out for me over the yeah. internet. Uh, me as well. Yeah. Uh, we are having some small technical difficulties here. Uh, am I it's, coming through now? Yeah, you're, you're clear. Yeah, you're clear. Okay. Now. Yeah. I wasn't 
doing anything weird. Okay, uh, let's yeah. just try it. Uh, the thing I was asking is, like, knowing, like, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan, would I like this movie, do you think? Because that is also a detective story that is very, very weird. I don't know if that's a superficial similarity, though. Um, I could see it kind of having some David Lynch Lynchian uh, feelings towards it, or like, you know, kind of that kind of that atmosphere. Um, but I would say it's probably a bit less logical, but I, I, you know, I think you might like it. If you go into the movie kind of a little bit more, uh, op- like, I guess, open-minded in terms of like yeah. where, where the movie ends up going, you'll probably enjoy it more than if you go in expecting like wanting it, something. Yeah. Wanting something. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's my first movie on it. Go, cool. go see it and like it or not. <laughs> uh, I'm going to apologize because I'm coming off of a cold, so I, I'm sure I sound great and feel great. Super congested. But uh, so my first one that like it's so weird looking at the beginning of my list because it's like, oh, shit, I did watch that. Oh, shit. That was this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first one is Ghost Stories. It's the one that has uh uh bilbo in it so (laughs) if you're like looking this up um the premise of this is the main character is a like paranormal investigator with the emphasis on like disproving hoaxes and like con men and stuff um Mm -hmm. and he uh, it gets a message from like the person that first inspired him to pursue this career, and they kind of pass off like these three cases that they were never able to solve to this guy to be like, here, disprove these if you think you're so smart, kind of thing. Um, so then that ends up becoming the vehicle for a like three chapter anthology story of these like really tight really really well done just like horror stories um and that that's the part that i that made this movie stand out for me was just like those three stories were like uh like just super well directed uh like the atmosphere and tone like very rarely i feel like as much as i love horror movies do i watch one that gets me to like you know hold the blanket up to my chin like Mm -hmm. shit this is actually scary and suspenseful and it was able to do that in like these three chapters really well um it does have like an ending that kind of to try and like bookend things that i think uh overreached a bit um to try and make it more of a, a singular movie but the I still think overall it's like a really good movie. It is um like there's a Ryan Hollinger video about it and he does like cool. a lot of video essays about horror movies. Uh this is one that's on my list that I, I genuinely think uh Brian, you would like it, and I think it is a thing Grant would stand a decent chance of liking. <laughs> like it is it, it is it, you know, it's kinda in that same space as like um when we watch Pontypool where it's like Pontypool's a good movie and it is experimental, but like it could fall apart if you if you look at it just like just at the wrong angle. Um so this could fall into that trap where it's like there might be like a bug in the movie that I'm not seeing where that Grant catches is like, oh, this actually kind of undermines the experience for me. 
Um, mm-hmm. Are you? Yeah. Uh, when you say that it's like three stories, is it? Are they like VHS style flashbacks, or is the, it, the it's, investigator it, it, investigating them? He, he goes and talks to the person who experienced that supernatural thing, and then as that person's telling the story, uh, it just flashbacks to what that person right. was okay. experiencing. So it wasn't gotcha. like, yeah, it's not like, oh, I found a VHS, it's all found footage or anything. It's just, uh, it's more... But it's also, it's not like, it's not like uh, The Conjuring or whatever where, or, you know, it's not like the investigators yeah, are Yeah, they're they not experiencing... actively experiencing a bunch right. of supernatural stuff. Right. Um, right. I, I, but like I said, the ending of it does try to like right. wrap the whole story into one story. Um, but yeah, when when you're in the the thick of it, the the meat of the story, it is that guy talking to another guy, and that and that other guy is the one who actually saw a ghost or right. whatever. Right. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, I recommend it. That actually, sounds really good. I might actually write that one down to, yeah. to watch yeah. later. I also like anthology stories in general. Yeah. It's just so. the three. It's so it's not, and, and like I said, it's kind of like halfway between an anthology story and just a linear story it's not like it's not a vhs thing where the book ending is very superficial and flimsy and then the emphasis is on the 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 anthologies Mm -hmm. within it it's it's a really like odd average where it tries to make Mm -hmm. it tries to do both at the same time which is kind of interesting no i mean yeah that makes sense i i feel like specifically when it comes to like book ending types of uh like anthology movies like that i feel like tend to run into problems in terms of how you can end it but yeah uh, yeah once you see it um we should talk about it because i want to see how how you feel about the the way it ends yeah i'll check it um, out cool well uh on a lighter note my first purple movie is mary poppins returns oh okay. shit. um so yeah i went and saw this um we took my uh, sister's kids to go see it, and I kind of was like, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll see it and stuff, but I wasn't expecting it to, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's a sequel, I don't know, like, yeah, I'll just see it, and just, yeah. you know. Um, I wasn't sure that it was needed, I guess, you know, to have a, a sequel. Um, but, um, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I thought it was uh very sweet. Uh I thought that it uh it was perfect that it was uh a sequel. You know, it's not a it's not a um a tale of Mary Poppins and some other children or something. Um, so she so she does return in this movie, you would say. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Like it actually is uh like the Banks children from the first movie are grown up now and they're so it's like their characters and the like the 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 son from the first movie is played by Ben Wishaws is the father in this one and it's his kids that she's like hanging around with um but uh yeah it was just it was one of those movies that surprised me a lot with um being able to accurately kind of find the charm of Mary Poppins and to not dip too much. Like it, I was impressed by its restraint and what the, like 
they actually had uh, a decent amount of like hand animation kind of stuff in it. Obviously, more modern and 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 you know they used the new tools to uh, achieve some of the stuff, but like they they didn't like it wasn't a um uh oh now that we've got the ability let's just like throw them into mystical whatever land and and like you know they kind of they they did what was right for the property i guess and and mm-hmm. were yeah um so like i was impressed with you know what they chose to do and how they chose to do it i i, I thought all of it was very tastefully done and i was just kind of like wow that was really sweet and didn't fuck it up <laughs> and uh like i i was genuinely impressed with that and it it felt um it felt like a classic like it it had a very yeah. similar um feel to it so i, I was yeah. I think impressed. nailing the tone is probably where they really needed to hit that. I mean, I haven't actually seen any Mary Poppins movies, but I'm just going to go mm. ahead and basically <laughs> any <of the> two. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen any of the two, but I'm going to make a baseless claim that they should both be similar in tone for them to work. Yeah, I, I was impressed overall. Um, you really stuck in your neck out there, Brian. I know. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hot takes coming at you. I guess here's the thing. I was worried that I, like, okay, I was I have not seen the entirety of it, but I I know of the uh, Nanny Nanny McPhee movies, mm-hmm. um, which is kind you know it's oh it's a like magical like nanny you know yeah. movie and it it has kind of a different approach, but it also I don't know it, it's 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 very fantastical and it's kind of, it would be easy for them to go into a similar realm of just going like full on magic. And it's like, no, that's not kind of the point. Like mm-hmm. Mary Poppins is like childhood wonder where it's like, it could all easily just be explained as something that a, a kid, you know? Yeah. You shouldn't have a magic where it's or, like, Oh, that can only happen because literally magic exists. Right. It's kind of like it, it should be kind of all of a like a fun imagination yeah. okay. kind of situation. So I, like, I thought of an example to Kyle for like, because I, I haven't seen Mary Poppins in for, forever. So I thought of an example that is the same kind of concept, but it's the complete inverse uh, tonally, <laughs> which is uh, in The Shining. The only thing that can't be explained away as hallucinations or people being crazy is Jack being locked in the freezer and then getting out somehow. Like, that's the only part piece of the movie of the entire movie that has to be supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that is my example of a thing where it's like a lot of fantastical stuff, but it can be explained away. Yeah, this yeah. and this, like, I, I guess... The key is like, I think it's important with um, with Mary Poppins that you know it's it's much more of a like practical good lessons of just a mentor character and like mm-hmm. yes there are magical things that happen around her or whatever but none of that stuff is the stuff that you know, 
Like it, it does, the the world doesn't hinge on there being magic. Yeah. Like that's not the solution to any problem. The solution to any problem is the lessons that you learn from in her. You mm-hmm. know. So, mm-hmm. um. Anyways, I I just was very impressed with it. I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Is the Dick Van Dyke character canonically the same Dick Van Dyke character? Uh, well, that's tough because Dick Van Dyke in the original movie played multiple characters, oh, but that's... he is one of them. But is the uh, one is the character he plays in this one canonically one of those characters? <laughs> yes, he is. Well, yes, he is a he is super fucking old in real life and in the yes. movie. <laughs> he is a real old is in real life, old. but like. He like jumps up on a desk and starts dancing, and I was actually of like it actually made me frightened, <laughs> that, like because he is like really really old. And then I watched a behind the scenes thing later where Lin Manuel Miranda is like, yeah, and then he just jumped up on the desk, and we were like, oh my god, and he was like, no, I got it. So That's I was awesome. like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, it's a practical effect. Yeah. Yeah. So is that is that character the chimney sweep? That's all I want to know. No, 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 he's not. Oh, man, that would have so been interesting. In the original, in the original, yeah, he played the chimney sweep, but he also played, um, like a a scruffy old bank manager Ooh. under a bunch of makeup and gotcha. under a pseudonym. Um, and in this movie, Lin Manuel Miranda is a chimney sweep type guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's actually like a lamplighter, but, um, uh, so he plays essentially that type of character, but Dick Van Dyke comes in as one of the old bank guys. Um, yeah, I just, I didn't know if he was canonically the same no, bank guy. Not the chimney sweep. He, he's not, he's not the chimney sweep, but he is the same bank guy. The same bank guy. Okay. I didn't know yes. if he was just another old bank guy. No. Just actually old this time the he is super duper old and canonically the same bank person gotcha cool i like that the mary poppins cinematic universe at play yeah i mean it's a movie sequel it's (laughs) no everything's a universe universe. it has two movies it's a (laughs) it's a franchise with a universe um speaking of franchises with the universe my next Uh my next film is not that oh um, this movie is on Netflix, and it was, uh, fortunately, it's not a February movie, otherwise it would have continued the trend of a movie a month that started in January with having a movie. Um, <laughs> that trend of one. <laughs> that trend of one could have continued. Uh, February is missing a movie, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, it's a movie, Happy as Lazaro. It is an Italian film, uh, and it is about the character of Lazaro, who is just this nice boy who um, is a part of this family of essentially like land workers in, in uh, Italy. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Italy. I didn't double check, but if I'm wrong and someone wants to call me out on it, feel free to do so. I mean, his name, his name is Lazaro. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that it's. Yeah. Dying. So yeah, he's an, uh, and um, it's like the, it takes, starts in like the seventies and eighties. And he, uh, he's like part of a family that works this land that is owned by this really rich family. Uh, and um, you essentially find out that they, this isn't really a spoiler. This is like the setup for the movie is that they are, um, they are essentially indentured servants in that they don't really get paid a whole lot. And they work this land for essentially free 
but they can live on the land, but they're not really, yeah, and they're not really paid for it, while the wealthy family just really profits off of all of their work without really paying it back towards them. Uh, and then there's, like, some weird mysticism stuff, not really mysticism, some weird, like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, fairy tale esque stuff that happens that uh, Lazaro disappears and then it, it jumps ahead for like like twenty some years and everyone that he was fam- his family is now like dispersed across Italy and it's just like essentially him kind of navigating this world that's changed drastically over the last twenty years that he's magically disappeared and reappeared in. So it's kind of like a modern fairy tale and that it, it and it also hints at a lot of like you know classist struggle and a um just like hitting those things about like you know how society is structured to keep the people who are not well off not well off and it's got a lot of social commentary to it is essentially what i'm trying to say um and according to imdb it has teenage eric in it yeah (laughs) there's a picture of a kid that is very yeah teenage eric yeah i think i know who you're talking about um yeah, I, I, he has a yeah. slingshot. Yeah, he is uh, like because like yeah, and Lazaro is like he's he doesn't talk a whole lot, and he's just kind of like this really like do good person who just kind of like doesn't really question things, but will mm-hmm. see the best in people and just help them out regardless of like the person's intentions, and like that kind of just works as he's like the fairy like the the main character of the movie, and it's just kind of him trying to like help out all the people that were essentially thrown into a world that they weren't prepared for because they had essentially just been living on a farm their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I think it's, it's really good. I, it's a movie I had known nothing about before having seen it. And uh, it was, it was a movie that really for, you know, by using grants criteria really surprised me because I didn't really know what to expect. And also was pretty memorable. Like I, uh, you know, I, I would keep thinking about the movie over time after it happened and it just kind of stuck with me. So. Also, another movie I definitely recommend because it has got more mass appeal than some of the other movies that I'm going to, to <laughs> list oh boy. later. If that's your like playing to the masses movie, yeah. here's a weird be Italian. A yeah, here's, a, here's an Italian <laughs> art film that's essentially a, a new like a, a parable. Uh, yeah. Watch that one. That's the one with mass appeal. God, I I hope we continue the trend of Brian not listing any movies that are spoken in English. Uh, Grant listing Disney movies, and I just list a complete random grab bag because I I know what's on my list. And well, oh boy, at least it's after this, be a fucking most weird of the movies, yeah. After this, most of the movies that I have on here are not subtitled. The first two have okay. been subtitled. Techni- technically, the next three that I have are Disney or Disney adjacent. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, right. So my my playing to the masses movie. Uh, or a sequel builds a franchise movie uh, was actually Happy Death Day to You. Uh, oh, yeah. Because oh. I... The first one was fun, and the first one is very simply, you know, what Groundhog Day was a slasher. But then the second one goes fucking buck wild and is like, hey, what mm-hmm. if Back to the Future was a slasher? And starts establishing like... A cosmology and it, it has very like it starts to feel like an 80s movie especially the way it ends where you know it has kind of it evokes kind of like real genius level of sci-fi-ness and humor at the same time um that just kind of surprised me for 
which should have just been uh, a dumb slasher sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really hope we get more of these because now they've like set it up to be such a rich cosmology to play in and like a, such an interesting sandbox. Um, Happy Death Day three U. <laughs> yeah, three. Mm-hmm. Oh god, if they do a three D one. I'd be so oh, fucking happy. That would actually be pretty I, cool. I also saw that this year. I would say it definitely does meet the criteria of, of being like surprising and, and awesome. I whether or not we get more in that series, I want to see more of uh its main actress. Mm. I feel like it's a smart movie at, like they're unusually well written and, and interesting. Yeah. But then on top of that, I think that she's like fucking nailing it. And she sits like, I think she sells a lot of the movie, both movies and makes them you know, like a lot of, of how they, how kind of interesting and self-aware, I guess they are. I don't yeah. know. Like she, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed her performance yeah, in both of those, and I want her to do more stuff because I, I think she's. Yeah, I was gonna say like while they are self aware, I don't feel like they're fully like pastiche no, or like, anything. Right, right. You know, like they fall into this weird category of like understanding the base concept, but not just doing the thing where it's like. Okay, so then we have the guy that's like, this is that thing from that other movie, yeah. and the, like, mm-hmm. you know, it it still feels like it's kind of, like you said, it, it's got its own cosmology and, and wants to do its own thing. Um, yeah, it, it very much feels like what people want when you see these, like, YouTube critics and video essayists where it's like, Ugh, every movie now is a Disney movie or it's a Marvel movie and it's all based on comic books and video games and greeting cards and why can't anyone make an original movie and then they'll t- make another video about like Ghostbusters and Jurassic World and Back to the Future and like all these things that are like very specifically 80s uh, concepts mm-hmm. movie stuff and it's like hey we do have some of those People just don't talk about them enough. Like I, 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 in the same way that a lot of those movies, in hindsight, are like they're great, kind of cheesy and dumb sometimes, and ha- and some of the the like sanctity of it is really nostalgia. And it's like I, th- I think the Happy Death Day franchise could become like uh like our just our generations like. Back to the Future or something. If mm-hmm. we if we were not so nostalgia driven, um, I, I think also it's it's so I, there's like this weird. I don't know how to. I think guess I wouldn't say it's a genre, but I'd say or subgenre. I, I guess it would be more of a a trend that I really like that I think this is a part of where it has. It's sort of a, a modern horror movie that doesn't go exactly where you expect it's going to go mm-hmm. and has a really, really charismatic final girl, mm-hmm. like who's really relatable and interesting and f- fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'd say so the Happy Death Day movies, uh, Ready or Not, Your Next, yep. and to some level, uh, The Guest all kind of fall in this realm where they, they are 
not meta, but like they're they understand the tropes and and setups of most like horror movies, and they're going slightly beyond that. Sometimes, like to varying degrees, pointing a, a mirror back at it. Um, the the Black Christmas remake did this somewhat as well. Um, yeah, it's it's like a, a newer trend that I really enjoy, and I it makes me really love all those movies. So I'm very happy That's, that yeah. there's more that continually do that. I've seen yeah. the the kill counts of both of them, but I've been meaning to actually get around to watching them because they they look they look fun. I think watching them back to back, but then remembering that there's like several years separating their production would be very fun yeah. too. Because like, yeah, the, it, it's impressive. Yeah, it's it's really impressive how they're able to like recreate a single day from the the fiction of the first movie in the second movie. Yeah, that's it's mm-hmm. a feat to be sure. Yeah. Only thing that's dumb is that the main character's name is Tree, and that's stupid. <laughs> sure. I don't disagree. You don't need yeah. a tree. I, uh, I would love at least one more, and even if it sucks, because it's like, yeah. yeah, so does the third Back to the Future, so like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to pick up the pace yeah, a little I mean, bit here. Yeah, that's fair. I, I've been pretty pretty brisk with mine. Uh, I think I'm, blame I'm brisk. I'm just, saying overall, I'm just saying we have a lot right? and we started yeah. late. Uh, yeah, right. that's fine. And we've gone through, now we're on the second one and we're 40 minutes in. So, yep. yeah. Got it. Um, okay, I'm gonna do um, my next one is Free Solo. Uh, it's about the guy who uh, free soloed uh, uh, in Yosemite. Um, it's the guy who Solo freed and... Han Solo from <laughs> captivity. No, yeah. no, no. Free soloing is climbing alone without any ropes or anything like that. Um, so literally just the guy just climbed up uh, El Cap in Yosemite, which is like 3,000 feet of, of rock climbing without a rope or in, in all in one go. Like he did it in yeah. like four hours. Um, the, the feat is incredible. The, uh, documentary is filmed incredibly terrifyingly well done. Like it's, it's gives you a sense of scale. It's horrifying and bends you on the edge of your seat. Uh, but it also is a very interesting character study of the type of person that would do this. So, um, it's dope. I love it. I show it to a lot of people who haven't seen it because I think it's really dope. You haven't shown it to me, Grant. Where does that put us? Where does that put us? Where does that make us to each other? I I, I just didn't know if you could handle it. That's all. That's Um, fair. But anyways, it is is, uh, available if you have Disney Plus. It's a National Geographic film, so it's on Disney Plus. So highly recommend it. Um, Yeah. Sick. Hurry up, Brian! I'm going to say that after every movie. I'm going to check that one out. Uh, my third movie is Ganja and Hess. Um, this is a movie from the uh, early 70s, I believe. Uh, yeah, 1973. It is a pretty early um, black exploitation film, but it's by a black director and um, who kind of later in life received more recognition than he got at the time. 
uh, and it is about a dude, like a, a rich anthropologist who becomes a vampire. And nice. it is a also a very weird art film. Uh, it's a movie how, that. How does, old is this movie? I think you said by I missed it. 1973 was when it came okay. out. So uh, it's got a very long storied that history to out. it. Uh, but I really like it. Um, it's a very it's, again, a very weird movie because it is uh, a kind of an art film because it, it also doesn't really work as a movie that kind of acts super linearly. So it's not mm. really it has a whole lot of like, this is where the plot begins and this is where the plot's going. It's more of like this this guy who becomes a, um, a vampire is slowly feeling more and more alienated by everything around him. Uh, and it is just films in like kind of like an interesting and weird way. And uh, it it's just got a lot of really memorable scenes in it. And I think it's uh, it's a movie that once again, h- hitting with my purple theme, uh, a movie that after seeing it stuck with me for a while uh, might not be a crowd pleaser because it's very experimental and mm. artsy. Uh, but it is also, in my opinion, quite good. Mm. Nice. It's interesting. Uh, OK, so my next one is a comedy special called uh randy writes a novel it's a randy feltface uh comedy special in that so randy feltface is a puppet comedian uh and it's not fucking jeff dunham where it's a guy with like seventeen thousand racist puppets it's one okay. puppet is the character um right <laughs> you might have seen this already because it was matt who yeah. originally showed me um it's like triumph the insult comic does. uh yeah but good um where like so the character it like the whole stand-up special is the character trying to read excerpts from his novel and then just getting distracted and going on long like slice of life tan- like comedy story tangents um and like in the fiction of this world like it's this puppet who's like talking about you know trying to sell a a cabinet on craigslist or whatever or you know the when he was doing his comedy tour and like a weird exchange he had in texas or whatever um so like the puppetry aspect doesn't really add a lot to it which i think actually kind of makes it more charming like the you could just have a human telling these jokes and they would still work Mm -hmm. um uh it's australia does he acknowledge that he's a puppet uh i think so but in the kind of like like acknowledging that he's a puppet but not acknowledging that like a human necessarily controls him almost in a like right right um yeah that shitty you know that shitty puppet Puppet kind of way what was that the muppets the muppets yeah yeah kind of like they're puppets but they're not talking about the people that control them yeah 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 i think there's aspects like that but i don't like the parts that stand out to me don't hinge on that um it is a australian or new zealand comic i forget which um but it's like it's very dry uh yeah i just i really like it i thought it was a really really funny special um i probably am just gonna watch it again tonight now that i I (laughs) have it up uh uh, you can find the whole thing on youtube it's uh, an hour and 11 minutes so yeah Nice. Um, I'm gonna combine these two because oh. um, it's uh, Paddington uh, one and two. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. From the Paddington um, extended universe. 
Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so I didn't watch these until Patrick Wilms told me to, and then I was like, fine, all right, I'll check it out. And this is another thing where it was kind of like, I'm sure it'll be a good children's movie, I, you know, but do I really want care about that at the moment or not? Yeah, I don't know, um, you are a child. But... <laughs> That's true. Uh, but uh, no, they're just like really fucking good movies. Um, I think, have you guys both seen both of them? No, no I've, I've seen neither of them. I couldn't find a place to watch them online when I was going to watch them. You haven't seen either of them? I haven't seen yeah. either of them. I was going to watch Jesus. them, but then I couldn't find like a like a place that they were streaming. And I was like, well, okay. I just didn't find a well, point in my life where that made sense to no, me what to I, watch it, at I, that time. Well, now's the time. Let me tell you because it <laughs> they're fucking great. Yeah. I I am now I was just going to be like, yeah, and you know how they're amazing and stuff, but now that you guys haven't seen them, I am now on a mission to make you watch <laughs> okay. both watch them. They're really 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 good. Um but yeah, I watched them because Patrick H. Wells was so like e- yeah. like excited about them and stuff. Um but he's like 1000% Right. It, it's they're amazing. Um, they're earnest in the best way. Um, it's funny. I was actually thinking about them, Brian, when you're talking about your Italian movie, like mm-hmm. Paddington's just like this amazing character. And it's, you know, it's the type of movie where this amazingly good person shows up and just shows everybody how they should be human, even though that person isn't necessarily human or whatever. Um which is like, you know, that's like a, a subgenre. But um it, it's really charming. Uh, uh it's funny, uh Ben Washaw, I don't know how to say his last name effectively, but uh he is the voice in, in of Paddington and he was the dad in Mary Poppins Returns and oh, it's just everything everything wholesome and great in British and singing is has got him in it. So um but you know, it, it's they're both extraordinarily well done and um i'd say the closest eh, maybe this is not the best comparison but i'd say the thing that kind of it started to remind me of a little bit was the uh the adventures of tintin just because like it's un it's like oh this is uncommonly like it's a kid's thing but it's uncommonly well done yeah and interesting but i Cashing in on a known IP kind of thing, right? But like, but, it, but good, <laughs> it, right? Exactly, and like you can tell that the people behind it really, really care about uh, it, and yeah, it just it became just ten thousand times better than whatever it could be. It also just from a like a satisfying like story setup, and like nothing's wasted. It's it's all very just well done every character is like interesting and well used and rounded out and i, I need you guys to watch them seriously right. we need to talk right. about them now I uh, will they're really watch great. Them. and What's i'll that? hate them <laughs> okay that's fair enough i'm now, kidding i won't hate whatever them. opinion you want but <laughs> if you don't like them you're not human oh it's fine um all right cool well they're great i've i'm excited to watch them i will not write that down because i will remember um, <laughs> okay. um my, i'm next i believe um yes. this yeah. movie is not an art film fortunately uh it's a movie <laughs> called the clove hitch killer 
Oh, yeah, um, I saw this one. Oh, so, yeah. So, uh, I don't know what your opinions about it are, mm-hmm. Eric, but I am already kind of a sucker for serial killer stories, and this one's mostly about a kid who um, his dad um, is maybe a serial killer. You'll find out. Uh, but yeah, so he like borrows his dad's car and he finds a picture of a woman tied up in it. And he's like, oh, this is really weird. And the town he lives in uh, years ago, like before he was born, had a serial killer that was called the Klovich killer uh, that was active until he stopped being active. It feels very much inspired by the real life serial killer BDK, uh, who is most famously shown on. Um, well, not most famously, but he's shown on the show Mindhunters. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, is, what made him famous. Yeah, he was famous from the <laughs> yeah. famous from the, the, the show Mindhunter. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty. After watching Mindhunter, after seeing this movie, I was like, "There's no possible way that they didn't look at the BDK as the inspiration yeah. for this film." Uh, but mm. uh, despite the fact that it is a movie where the actions in which the main character take are not actions that I agree with, and that actually frustrated me, I still found it to be pretty much a like a, a pr- pretty well put together mystery drama about a kid whose dad might be a serial killer. And uh, it was just, it was like for the most part, really well done. And it was a movie that once again, surprisingly I kept thinking about, and it was probably, it might've been due to the fact that I didn't agree with the main character's actions in the movie mm-hmm. at a certain point, And that might've been the thing that kind of stuck in my head of, and made me continually think about it. But uh, Eric, did you like this movie at all? Uh, I did like this movie. Uh, I had heard previously that it was really, really good, and then when I saw it, I was like, yep, this is really good. Uh, one thing I want to add to, like, kind of the setup or the premise uh, that I didn't know going in that I thought made a lot of the things and the character choices, like, make more sense is that they... It all takes place in, like, a really, really religious conservative community. So you'll have moments where it's like, oh, like, here's a kinky porn magazine in, like, any other place on the planet or in the country or a city, you know, different communities, you might be like, I mean, that that's not evidence of anything. But then in within the context of this community, it's like, oh, no, only a serial killer serial would have killer. this. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, and I don't know, Brian, if that kind of speaks to what you were talking about, where you're like, well, I don't agree with any of the characters on screen right now, but yeah, um, um that yeah, that definitely lends it to like it's it's definitely what there's another movie that I have as a purple movie. Uh not really, I'm not gonna get into it, but a movie called The Vanishing, which also has a main mm-hmm. character that makes a decision that I very much disagree with and that we're frustrated with his actions yeah. in the movie, but it's still a movie that is very, very good. Um, are you referring mm-hmm. uh for this one, are you referring to the ending specifically? Yes. Oh, I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Specifically referring to the ending. Uh, and yeah. th- there is stuff outside of character actions that happen at the end where I think filming-wise, the movie kind of stumbles a little bit and feels a little off-putting in the way that they, like, from a filming standpoint, not like a plot standpoint. It just feels a little weird that this is kind of how they decide to structure this movie from a certain point. Um, yeah, like I the point of view character f- just, like, flips for, like, a good 30 minutes of the movie, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, and it, it just feels really odd and kind of, yeah. It, But for the most part, you know, things aside, only a small few gripes here and there with the film. But overall, I, it's it definitely a lot more accessible than some of the other movies that I've listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a movie that I didn't really know what to expect going in. And I was pretty pleasantly surprised yeah. with. And I think uh, this is what Grant could enjoy, too, because it, it is a well-constructed movie. And even the things that we're talking about that are like gripes. They feel like decisions. They don't feel like, 
oh, what were you thinking? Like, obviously, yeah. that's not the right thing. It's like, oh, no, we might say, like, oh, this feels weird. It feels out of place. I might not have done that. But they do feel very intentional at the very yeah. least. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yes. Yeah. My turn? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. This is a, this is a fun one. Uh, I have the Descendants trilogy, which I watched with my girlfriend because she likes these movies. Uh, uh, when the third one came out. So I watched the first two first and then the third one with her. So the Descendants is a Disney Channel original movie franchise where it's a one, it's live yeah. action. That's important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All of the Disney fan like fantastical movie characters they live in one universe that is it's all it like fashion would make you think it's just straight up modern times yeah. uh, where all of the villains were magically sealed off on this prison colony for literally generations. So now there is at least like a generation of teenage kids who are but who grew up on this fucking prison colony island and have just been raised in that environment. And the inciting incident of the first movie is the prince who will soon become king just by, like, becoming 18, I think? Their, their political structure makes no fucking sense, and this is what makes this world so fucking fascinating. <laughs> so, the son of Beast and Belle is like, hey, maybe the kids born on the prison colony are innocent and should be bussed into our school and, like, have an opportunity to have a life not living on a horrible prison colony. So this is a musical fantasy adventure comedy television film, according <laughs> to Wikipedia. Is, according, yes, <laughs> it is a musical. There are musical numbers. Uh, there are technically jokes. There is okay. technically magic, and I guess there are technically adventures. I would say that it's a political thriller about uh, a uh, a uh, raffle program that allows several kids from a prison colony into uh, the the like kingdom's high school, and then them trying to perform. So uh, the kids that are chosen are. Uh, the the Maleficent's daughter, um, and Maleficent is played by Kristen Chenoweth in this. Um, Jafar's mm -hmm. son, uh, Cruella's son, and the evil queen from Snow White's daughter. Uh, and the set and like the the characters are introduced literally in a music num musical number about how fucking shitty kids they are. Because, oh, like, good. in their culture, everyone's a bad guy, so you have to prove that you're the baddest bad guy. Like, that's just the way of it. So the second they're like, hey, you're actually going to go to, like, good kids' school, the parents are like, oh, yeah, so while you're there, could you also steal a magical artifact to, like, release all of us onto the world to conduct a thousand horrors? And they're like, <laughs> of course we would, because we're both, we're good kids in that we obey our parents but we're also bad kids and like in that we like doing bad stuff uh sounds great I'll it's never great watch it. I, okay so i i only know about this movie for one reason 
There was a, a, a funny post that somebody posted that showed a picture of Descendants 3 poster mm-hmm. on the right, and which is, like, crazy and has, like, a dude with big, like, blue fire hair and, like, a bunch of oh, ma- uh, magical weird shit and stuff. That's right? Hades. Okay, so so a bunch of a bunch of weird like you know clearly magical shit that was on the right was was the Descendants three yeah. and on the left they had a picture of the George Clooney movie The Descendants where he's just a dad trying to like live in Hawaii but his <laughs> his wife like dies or something they have to figure like it out. it's like a like a family drama or whatever yeah. so that they had the poster for that on the left and they're like. What in the fuck happened in Descendants Two? <laughs> that's great. Uh, so I that's that makes me really want to watch it. Um, I like that it's like Disney has actually done a lot with like the children of their f- big famous IPs. Yeah. So like there are there are kid shows that like Randy's and if you watched like uh, like the Lion Guard yeah, is one about Simba's son. There's uh, Sophia the First, which is like the princess one. Uh, but I like the idea that somehow, uh, similar in terms of the difference between George Clooney and Descendants 3, that in the prequel to the Descendants, uh, the this movie, that everything was cool and it was all Sophia the First and Lion Guard. And then somehow some crazy shit yeah. went down and it turned into a prison planet. Right. So I like that. And like, That's good. it's um, an island. It's a prison <laughs> island that has well, a magical I, yeah. barrier. Uh, but like, so I, so you mentioned blue flaming hair guy and it's like, that's literally Hades from Hercules who is revealed to be the main character's dad. So canonically Maleficent and Hades fucked in this universe. Canonically, Soapy of the Seven Dwarves has a son. Sick. (laughs) You know what though? It's all better than. Exactly. If you think. Wrinkly Palpatine. If you think. How did. Like, who is Ray's grandmother is a concerning (laughs) question. Watch The Descendants. No, Uh, this is. It's it's, it's way better. It's great. You have to watch all three because it takes them three movies to just realize hey, a lifetime sentence applied to the children of criminals is immoral and to just have open borders. It takes literally three movies for them to figure that out, and then they... Wow, that 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 sentence sounded way more political than I really wanted to jump <laughs> I, into. That's but... the thing that's fascinating about Descendants and what I love about it, because you watch it and you're like, it only works if you... Because in the context of this world, like, they've never... They've never had politics. They've only ever had like <laughs> weird kings who who become ro- like figurehead leaders because the sword chose them or right, the right. magic cup chose them or whatever. And like their entire political system is just completely fucked. But you get to like see that as objectively true in these movies, and it's just so fucking weird. And like characters talk about it, where it's like the the second movie the antagonist is another kid it's ursula's daughter who's like you fucking abandoned us on this island when the four like oh the four of you get to be not live on a prison colony fuck you like Mm -hmm. what about the rest of us like it's wild and it simultaneously (laughs) completely ignores the political implications of that universe and aggressively acknowledges it it goes back and forth and it's fucking fun and some of the musical numbers are actually really fucking catchy. 
That's great. Yep. Well, I definitely I'm waiting for Brian to say I'm going to check point. it out. I'm not going to yeah. check it out. <laughs> it I, is on I, Disney+. I Plus. Realistically, I will not check it out. I probably Yay! will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, my movie. My movie is about <laughs> as different from that as you could possibly get. Oh. Um, I held so my mic my, away from my head when I coughed, thinking that would help. Uh, it I think it did. Oh, sweet. Um, okay, so my movie is a movie called The Duelists. Um, it's a Ridley Scott film, and it's it's very much like, you know how, like, everybody kind of has their artsy period piece, like, where they're only gonna, you know, film, like, long shots or film using only natural light or something artsy mm-hmm, or something yeah. like a lot of the yeah this is kind of his so um it's the story about <laughs> essentially so it's about two uh officers in Napoleon's army uh and one of them is this character it's Harvey Keitel uh and he's basically this dude who just Loves the fuck out of dueling. Like he like with swords. Uh okay. so he just he's just all about it. He just really enjoys the shit out of it. And this other officer is kind of like sent to like, hey, calm this guy down. He's just like killing French nobility. Like for not nobility, but he's killing these like guys just for no reason. Just cause, you know, they insulted him, so he Pounds them to a duel and their honor demanded that they say yes, but they weren't, you know, like this guy's like this master swordsman who just, just wants to fucking duel all the time. Um, so it's like over the course of like 20 years or something of these two guys just consistently meeting and essentially Harvey Keitel's character just being like incensed, just pissed off at all times and wanting to duel. And uh the other character just being like, dude, I like I don't want to fucking duel you. We're on the same side like of this military conflict. We're both like trying to to work together. There's even some stuff where like, you know, they get kind of like trapped together and have to help each other out or whatever. But then, nope, Harvey Keitel just, he's like, well, I still fucking hate you because even though you helped me out in this situation and we probably saved each other's life, I just, I just need to duel and you're the last person to offend me and I want to fucking, like, settle it with a duel. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> a very odd concept to, like, have this movie about, but it's actually surprisingly engrossing and, um, it does have multiple really int- like really impressive or interesting uh dueling scenes you know they have like it, it's not very um it's not very flashy like the big part about this is that it feels a lot more you know grounded and like oh yeah he just like stabbed that guy in the arm with a fucking sword so that dude's probably going to lose like you know yeah. like that you know it, no, nobody's like kind of no swelling of music or whatever, like, no, you get stabbed with a sword, you're probably fucked in that sword fight, like, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
but they have multiple different duels uh, throughout the decades, whatever, and it ends with this like fascinating, crazy like thing where basically he's like, "All right, we're you know we're each going to have two pistols and we're each going to be contained to your lands and." We just gotta find each other, and whoever kills the other one, like wins, you know. And that's that's how we're gonna settle this. And like, I mean, that's how I like to settle like all my grudges. <laughs> protracted like sequence at the end where they're like kind of both hiding and hunting. It's it's one of those things where like the premise is simple and kind of like silly or whatever. Uh, but everything about the craft of movie making mm-hmm. is what makes it so impressive. Like Ridley Scott. It, like just makes it gorgeous and engrossing and fascinating and the actors do a wonderful job of like it, it kind of is is more impressive for all of those aspects than you know the actual story itself but it kind of at the end of it you're like why the shit did I care about this so much yeah. it's just about a really angry guy who likes to duel and this other guy who's just trying to live and it was engrossing as all hell so i don't know it, yeah. it was really interesting i will check it out <laughs> <laughs> uh brian uh my next one is another art film um <laughs> it, it is mac and me um, <laughs> I, I i watched it for bad movie month as part of my movie club, I do, and I just, uh-huh. I just couldn't get that little guy Mac out of my head. <laughs> Honestly, that's really it. It's a bad that's movie. A it's like seventy-five percent commercial for McDonald's, <laughs> and it's just, it's got my little guy Mac in it, and he's just this <laughs> cute little alien that's like always getting up to really, always getting really. It's seventy-five, seventy-five percent commercial for whatever movie Paul Rudd is making on. Coming. Yes, as well as being famous from the scene where the kid in the wheelchair rolls down a hill and lands in water. Uh, that uh, every single time that uh, Paul Rudd is showing a movie clip to Conan O'Brien on a show, who will play that clip instead the first time. Yeah, uh, for like ten years. He's been doing it for a very, very, very long amount of time. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Including uh, when they did Ant Man, he actually edited a real clip of Ant Man. Yeah. Just start as Ant Man, and then it like it like it, it zooms out or whatever, <laughs> oh, and then it it's looks the scene like from it cuts into it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they edited the scenes together. Um, but uh, <laughs> if you want to see a really fun bad movie, I definitely recommend Mac and Me. If you want to see a really cute little puppet alien that um, that the adult version of that is horrifying, and I want nowhere near me. Um, <laughs> I don't like the regular version, so I'm concerned about. Oh, dude, I love the the, I, the adult version is like. 50,000 times more horrifying. If you go out there and you just Google Mac and me and you see the little alien, just know that I've never seen E.T. and I would only watch E.T. if they re-edited it (laughs) to have E.T. replaced with that little alien guy of mine. Uh, I hate it so much. I'm looking at him now. I love him. Like, I don't find the the appeal of E.T.'s creature design. It's obviously a good creature design. But I think that if, like, I would watch E.T. if it had Mac from Mac and me in it. Recast him. You would watch. You would watch ET if ET had a sex doll mouth. Yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> like, that's what, if, you, if that's what you want to call Max mouth, I do because it is. Uh, it's like permanently in like a. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally permanently in O face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Mac me is a really entertaining movie. 
Um, <laughs> my really quickly, my favorite scene is so the main character is stuck in a wheelchair. Uh, I don't know. I shouldn't have phrased it like stuck in a wheelchair, but whatever. Uh, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, there's a scene where overnight Makami does some weird alien space magic and like fucks up the house a whole lot. And the kid, like, including like sawing some like doors and like putting plants on the inside and like fucking things up. Why the fuck would he do place. that? Yeah. Cause he's an alien and he, he doesn't, I don't fucking remember, honestly. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, um, so there's, he, he wakes up and he rolls in there and he's like, oh my God something's happening in here i don't know what to do the mom wakes up and it's just like gets so mad at her her son and it's like why would you do this to our house and i'm like he's in a wheelchair there is no physical way that he could have done this to your house and you're just blaming him for it it was it was wild uh really fun movie um it, it's got a lot in common with uh paddington and i'll leave it at that <laughs> no, no. Oh, God. Well, it's been left at that uh who's next Aaron. <laughs> I, it's my turn okay I, nothing we can do so i have an art house movie as well and it was the dora the explorer nickelodeon live action movie Oh thank God! Uh, oh, I, I didn't see that, but I kind of yeah, wanted to. Yeah, I think I, I think I already told you a lot about it and started convincing you to see it. Um, if you weren't already, because it is, mm-hmm. it is wild. Because I, I, having now seen it, it's like, oh yeah, no one like you don't have to worry about like the Star Wars fans of Dora the Explorer. Like it's not sacred. I don't know that Dora the Explorer is sacred to anyone, and. In that vein, they just kind of did whatever the fuck they wanted in ways that are, like, really cool and interesting. So, like, very early it just establishes that, like, the cartoon was just their imagination. Except Boots is real. The only thing that they clarify of, like, talking monkey wearing boots, that's crazy! He doesn't wear boots! And it's, like, still a fucking purple monkey, and he just, like, takes the boots off very early, and he still boots the fucking weird purple monkey the rest of the movie. He talks one line in the movie in a very, like, Jay and Silent Bob kind of way. And he's voiced by Danny Trejo. Oh. That, so he's yeah. always showing up. There is one part where they re-examine like the cartoon world aspect. And it's because they're, like, walking through, like, a field of, like... Uh, hallucinogenic plants that just make them see the world as the cartoon world and all the, like, bizarre cartoon characters show up again for, like, ten seconds. Is it made uh, by... No, it's not. Okay. I it, was gonna like, ask if it was made by Robert Rodriguez, because It feels like, like it would be, stuff, but it's but... not. Yeah, it's... Like, I looked up who was directing it, and I was like, I've never heard of this person, and, like, yeah. it's not someone I would expect anything interesting from... Uh, and they also do some weird stuff with, like, all the character, like, uh, so Diego is in this, but, like, they they establish early that when, like, pretty much whenever the cartoon ended, Diego went to, like, live in L.A. while Dora continued to live in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So when they meet again, Diego's just a normal-ass kid, and everyone else on the planet is just a normal-ass person, uh, to a point when, like, so one thing I thought was kind of interesting, it's a tiny thing, but when she goes to live with Diego's family and go to, like, normal high school, like, they do go to a high school with a metal detector, but it's not painted as, like, 
oh, look how dangerous it is or anything. It's like, no, this is just normal high school. I thought that was kind of interesting for, like, a quote-unquote kids movie, Nickelodeon movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There was another thing that Helen pointed out that, um, like, she doesn't speak it, but she's able to recognize it. So the, the, like, adventure jungly part of the story takes place in uh, Peru, and they meet, like, a, like, elder indigenous kind of like mystical character at one point who speaks in Chechua, the like the actual actual native language for Peru. And like that's a pretty dope attention to detail. Cause like Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't recognize it. Neither you guys would recognize it as authentic or inauthentic. They could have put anything in that place. Um so the fact that they have like some actual respect and uh, attention to detail for the the aspects of Latin communities and cultures that they are representing was cool. Um, the end credits is on like a super dope Spanish song that I already knew because Helen would play it like <laughs> literally every day. It was, but like we just were like shocked that this awesome song was in the end credits for Dora the Explorer because it's like a dope hip hop song. Um. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Also, there is a super weird thing in that Swiper is in the movie and is actually a talking fox, but the movie makes it seem like Doris never met him before, oh. and it's like, wait, what? No, like right. you've definitely met this talking fox before. <laughs> I've seen it. I watched the show. What the fuck is happening? So there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, that detail's really cool and, like, respectful and awesome. And then this other part, what the fuck is happening over here? Like, the movie's Mm. such an odd hodgepodge of things happening that it's awesome and and at at a minimum super, super fun. I like that, uh, I'm looking at images, I like that Swiper in the movie um, has a mask on. (laughs) Yes, they like, talk. They make a joke about that. Okay, there is a character like, who's like, you could just take the it fuck off is and look like any other fox, and that would be more yeah. effective. Yeah, that, okay. Like there literally is a character that's like, why the fuck is that fox wearing a mask? Is it afraid I'm gonna like recognize it as a specific fox and not a different fox? And report that fox to the to fox the police. police. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and the like, Swiper is actively working with just like like treasure hunters right, like real armed yeah. militant treasure hunters like it. it's fucking wild i like it okay Sounds um good. so for mine uh my next one is unicorn store uh we've already talked about it on the podcast so i don't mm-hmm. need to say much uh other than i loved it and it's is there a store for unicorns basically yeah yes uh, so this is uh Starring and directed by uh, Brie Larson, oh, cool. um, and it has Samuel Jackson in it, and it has I can't remember his name, but he's really awesome as a male lead, uh, and he was in Patty Cakes. I don't remember his name, um, but uh, it's a very charming and in a very similar. I don't know. It, it is also has a very earnest main character and is. Uh, I don't know. I just found it very charming. That's kind of like a trend of a couple of my movies is 
mm. this year that I, I liked. It just was like, man, this is just charming the pants off me. It's just a I'll, adorable I'll, I'll and I'll break that down. That, it's Grant great. likes movies that are charming. Yeah. Um, um, check out the feeling of charming. Yeah. Uh, speaking of charming, my next movie is actually pretty charming. Oh, boy. Um, this is one that I've kind of gone a little back and forth on whether or not it's included, but I decided to keep it anyway. But uh, Detective Pikachu. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, nice. That is charming. I, I, yeah. yeah. I, re- I quite like the movie. Uh, I went after work to see it uh, on the day it came out. And I usually will see a movie over the weekend in the morning. But I was like, oh, I was excited enough to see it. And I really liked it. Um, it was just it was more. It, it's I guess less on the quality of the movie, which I still think it's like a pretty it's a pretty solid movie. It's just fun. Like mm-hmm. there there's not a whole lot more to, to it. But I think it's just the the childhood fulfillment of finally seeing like a live action Pokemon yeah. movie mm-hmm. like done to a good degree in theaters and just like the the Pokemon looked really good. Like I really liked how they decided like the artistic interpretations they took with a lot of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I think the story's pretty good, but like I like I, I don't know. There's not like a really a whole lot with it. It's just if you like Pokemon, I feel like you're probably gonna like Detective Pikachu. Yeah, uh, and Ryan uh, Reynolds is extraordinarily charming. Yeah, so. and Ryan Reynolds is just a very charming actor, so him playing Pikachu was great. And um yeah, I just really liked it. It was a movie that kind of stuck with me for a bit, uh when the credits were playing the the main Pokemon theme. Not yeah. the, the show theme, but like the, yeah. the menu theme from the original games and it had like the care the characters in the movie done as the like the 2d sprites yeah i got i got a little emotional yeah. i was like oh man yeah. like this feels like a moment that i've waited my pretty much my entire life for yeah and uh it's pretty much by that merit alone really that the movie kind of ended up on this list uh my, i just really biggest, enjoyed it my biggest hope for the sonic movie is that <laughs> it, it will be you know one half as charming and, and good as Detective Pikachu. Like that's good luck. The yeah. most I can hope the, for it, but the thing I love the most about Detective Pikachu is the world did not feel like an attempt to adapt either the anime or the game mm-hmm. like actual like world in terms of like building structures and stuff. Like I like that they have an opening scene referencing like catching Pokemon in a field of tall grass, but then the rest of the movie take like, you know, Again, normal-ass train, mm-hmm. go to a relatively normal-ass city with, like, yeah, the advertisements are for Pokemon-themed stuff, but, like, it's very easy to me to place myself in that world versus it being, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, oh, I, I, like, it's a whole separate, different universe right. from my they, own, they you know? Were, it's not like yeah. Airbender. They more, po- more Pokemon goaded than, like, classic yeah. Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just, like, the fact that like, you know, even fashion is like, yeah, people wear jeans and a t-shirt and a hoodie, you know, mm-hmm. they're not wearing what they would wear in the games that are like these Tracks outlandish <laughs> anime and, you know, fashion senses and like high fashion runway kind of stuff mm-hmm. Um, that if they had tried to adapt that in like, you know, the way that typical anime live action adap- adaptions are like, how do, you know, like when they try to do the live action version of like the spiky hair and stuff, it's like that doesn't fucking work like that doesn't make any sense um so i'm just so appreciative that they made it look like our world plus pokemon not the world depicted in the anime yeah i agree yeah my turn um my next one was dr sleep 
Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect going into this because I'm a huge Shining fan and I was a huge fan of uh, Hill House, who the director for Doctor Sleep made that. So I was like, this, I like, I kept going in a loop of like getting really excited and then trying to temper my expectations because it's it seemed like an impossible task kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I ended up really liking it. I would say the things that are the absolute strongest about this are the things that have nothing to do with the shining, though. Like, there is mm. uh, one scene in particular that is just like so strong and so interesting and good and it feels like oh yeah the person who directed hill house did this but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any connection to the shining at all in that moment um yeah yeah it feels more like in the same same way that like throughout so much of stephen king's work you can kind of feel like a uh, stephen king either was or would be just a huge fan of x-men like there's a lot of that in this movie more than like this hotel is super creepy. Um, yeah, I, I I ended up just like really really enjoying it. There were things that I that I think about The Shining that I don't feel like are part of like the general public conversation that mm-hmm. then this movie seemed to like agree with or reinforce. Like um, the like I think Wendy is like criminally undervalued. In, in mm-hmm. when we talk about The Shining, because like everyone's always always so fucking hard on for Jack Nicholson's performance, it's like sure, but like being a crazy person is like I that's don't know, it, it, like there's like I've heard, I, I remember reading somewhere that it's just like the Joker is the easiest character to play in the world because you you can do like such a wide variety of takes and you can you have so much freedom versus like playing a very juggling the emotions of like being terrified protecting your kid trying to survive like i don't know i think wendy is like criminally undervalued when we talk about like female badasses in fiction because she's so believable and also gets the job done of surviving and protecting her kid it's certainly much more relatable and like Right, yeah. yeah. Like, she reacts to a terrifying situation like a human would, but right. also still comes out victorious. And, like, this movie seemed to show a lot of, like, respect and reverence to Wendy. Like, they, this movie does a, a weird thing where they have a lot of actors playing the original actor playing that role. You know, it's like, oh, you do your best impression of it you know of specifically wendy from kubrick shining and it's like that's a really hard thing but like that stuff is pulled off surprisingly well Mm -hmm. you know they're not doing like the archive footage thing like they're recasting everybody but it is Mm -hmm. very deliberately supposed to be a sequel to the shining right um but yeah I, i thought it was really well done uh fun in all the right places um yeah, so I recommend it. I will check it out. Yeah, I, I earned to, a Brian check it out. I, well, I think it was mostly I was I pretty sure I bought tickets to see it in theaters one day, and then I was like, it was like a pretty early showing, and mm. I was like up too late the previous night. And when I woke up, I was like, I'm too fucking tired, and I didn't go, and I forgot to refund my tickets. So they got my money, but they didn't get my view, and they will mm-hmm. get it eventually. I slept slept through Doctor Sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. How how fucking fitting that I ended up sleeping yeah. instead of going to see Doctor Sleep. I will say, I do think Doctor Sleep should have been a TV show. I think it should have been mm-hmm. a miniseries. There are things where there's like a t- like they t- there's like a point where you're like 45 minutes in and it's like and now the real story is going to start. That was all the the prologue chapter to the movie. Mm-hmm. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah. So nice. Uh, my next one is Dolomite Mac is my me. name. Oh, I've heard that's good. It is so yeah, good. I've also heard that. It is. So this one was more. So a big part of it was like, holy shit, Eddie Murphy is back and not making a horrible movie that, that you know, I don't want to watch. <laughs> like, like he's, mm-hmm. he's imminently watchable on this. Uh, it's like a, you know, it's a crazy, you know, true story about uh, this guy who tried to be a stand-up comedian and it didn't really work out. And then he decided to just go absolutely, <laughs> what the fuck is happening outside of my apartment? Can, can you crazy. hear that? Sorry. Yeah, yes. I heard. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyways, he, he goes, like, just off the edge and, like, becomes this crazy character that he kind of realizes, like, it's kind of at the height of uh, black exploitation stuff, and he kind of realizes that if he just cranks everything up to 11, like, he can, can make this character, you know, that's... Uh, it's Rudy Ray Moore is the the actual historical person just decided to like go all out make this crazy pimp you know uh, kung fu master like you know kind of all the the tropes from from black exploitation films just go crank them all up to eleven and just make his own films that are are ridiculous and you know it's kind of like this movie's a little bit kind of like. Um, the uh what's the james franco movie about uh disaster uh, artist yeah yeah so it's kind of disaster artisty in terms of like this true story about this weird guy who made these mm-hmm. shitty films but in terms but it like it's much more uh even disaster artist w- w- kind of got to the heart of it of like this person just you know enjoyed making these things and and you know wanted to make people feel something and you know, they laughed instead of doing what he wanted to do, but he still found value in that. That's kind of the message of Disaster Artist. Dolomite is my name is kind of like, this guy wanted to make people laugh, and he more than succeeded in making these crazy superhero character, essentially, movies of, like, where stuff, where basically, like, this guy, like, has sex with women, and when he has sex, like, the the roof caves in because of how crazy he is in bed kind of stuff. Like it's, it's got this hilarious kind of aspect to it. And Eddie Murphy was perfect to, to embody this, this guy. Uh, and it was just kind of a exciting thing to see Eddie Murphy back and, and doing something that really, really, you know, fit with, with him. And, and it wasn't him trying to, do earlier stuff, you know, it wasn't him trying to recapture anything. It was like, no, I'm gonna go out and tell the story that fits with where I'm at and stuff. And it was, I don't know, it was do exciting. You, 
Do you think that Eddie Murphy is like the Hess truck in that he's back and better than ever? <laughs> Probably not better yeah. than ever. He had a really good early career. That's true. It's tough to say, but I, I, I do think he yeah. is back and it is entertaining as hell to, to watch him in that. Nice. I nice. want to see that movie. Ah, oh, so dang it, you did say I, it. I, I, know, I, close, will pro- I will check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to come back eventually and be like, I've seen all of the movies now. <laughs> um, that's my Galaxy every movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, my movie is my June movie. Ooh. Uh, and it was Rocket Man. Ooh, yeah. I didn't really have any sort of attachment to Elton John. I think I only knew the song Rocket Man. But I thought the trailers looked pretty good. And I was like, yeah, I'll go check it out. I've heard it's good. I like Taron Egerton. And mm-hmm. uh, I really, really liked this movie. I uh, really liked all the music. It got me uh, listening to a bunch of Elton John for pretty much the rest of the year. Um, which shares its... That's correct. That not shares the association. And that after seeing Yesterday, a movie I did not like as much as uh, Rocket Man, I listened to The Beatles for a very long time after that. But, I really thought you were going to say after you saw Cats or listening to Cats. <laughs> yeah. After Cats, I started listening to only Cats music. Oh, God. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not taking it there. Uh, but yeah, Rocket Man. Uh, I think it's really good. Taron Egerton does a really good job as um, <laughs> the main character, uh, <laughs> John, as the main character of Rocket Man. I I don't remember his name. Um, <laughs> Uh, he does a really good job as Elton John, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have the same kind of like singing ability, but I think he does a really good job with yeah. uh, recreating these songs. And uh, he's got can, the attitude down. Yeah, he's got the attitude down. Like he, it, and I really like that uh, the movie embellishes a lot of things, and that it's not really trying to be a biopic or a biopic, biopic, biopic. Uh, biopic. I'll say biopic, whatever. Yeah, um, it's biopic. No, no, no. no I'm pretty correct. sure it's actually. Yeah. Uh, um, We're thinking of the word myopic. No, no, no. 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 We're actually thinking of myopic. They are both correct. Um, So, like, I read a bunch of stuff after the movie that's like, yeah, these things weren't accurate, and that, like, you know, this song didn't come out in this year, (laughs) and uh, all this stuff. But the movie is pretty, like, not really clear about what years certain things take place anyway. It kind of, like, moves through his career over like 30 years and it doesn't also, really like it. He like floats around and that didn't happen in real life. So yeah, he floats around. <laughs> he, he can't people. levitate in real life. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it's just a really enjoyable film. It's got really good music. Um, it's, it's just really, it's really fun. And it's, I don't know. I think it's, I like it being a biopic that isn't necessarily just trying to tell. Here's just uh, a dry retelling of a like the somebody's career and more so, of like no it's a bombastic garish musical that's just about Elton John's life but not in a realistic manner and I think it was really effective in that way and it's it's I've seen it a couple times and I've enjoyed it greatly damn. both times so drawing that exact same point uh just to a specific movie uh Bohemian Rhapsody I would think would have been fifty thousand times better if they had approached it in, in the way that they did with this movie. I think both mm-hmm. Elton John, you know, I think, I think Elton John certainly is a unique character and that in his kind of craziness, um, you know, lends itself well to, to the weird shit that they do in this movie. Like you were saying, uh, with mm-hmm. like him floating around and whatnot. But I think if there's anybody else that you could do that with, it would be Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like, 
Bohemian Rhapsody was much more the dry retelling of stuff. Um, and I think it's kind of like comparing the two, like, yes, there's impressive stuff in parts of Bohemian Rhapsody. They get the very end, uh, the very end, they like recreate, uh, you know, their performance for Live Aid, like down to tiny, tiny details. And it's impressive technically, yeah. but like, I think this movie got gave me much more of an awesome sense of Elton John's general life and character. And I wish that I had seen that for Freddie Mercury more because they kind of have, yeah. you know, similar, you know, tracks, obviously both like, you know, deal with, with similar kind of, uh, you know, with drugs and alcohol and, and, you know, relationships that in the seventies would be viewed with more denigration or whatever than, they would later, you know, so it is, yeah. they have very similar tracks and it's kind of like, man, I kind of wish the awesomeness that was in Rocketman could have been applied to Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. as well. I think mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, like, because Rocketman came out very, pretty soon after and we were still actively talking about the problems with Bohemian Rhapsody when it came out. I think that's why Rocketman didn't get as good buzz as it could have right. as People it deserved. Like, oh, it's just another yeah, you know, it's another one. Another, and another like, thing. Yeah, a lot of those, like, they always like, we all saw this. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah, we all saw the Patrick H. Williams video about right, how, like, they right. all tell the same story. Like, right. yeah. I discovered I could do music, and then I was discovered, and then I did drugs, and then I had hard times, right. and then I quit drugs, and then I made music again. So, yeah. I will say, though, uh, one small other thing from Rocketman is that I really want there's a, a bit where he has um, like a dark blue shirt with silver stars on it and it's wearing like a white like overalls on top of it and yeah. it looks fucking awesome and I wish I had that yeah. outfit. It's, yeah, they did a really good job with making all the outfits and they I think they use like the real life ones as right, a lot of comparisons yeah. for, for remaking them and yeah. There was a lot of good details in terms of how he they had him dress and everything. Yeah. Good movie. Good, shit. good movie. My I next... will check it out. <laughs> Brian checked. <laughs> Brian did check it out. I, I um, checked it out. Next good movie I have uh, is Annabelle Comes Home. It's the third Annabelle movie in set in the Conjuring universe. Uh-huh. Which so I I knew I was gonna watch this because I just. I watch all these movies because they are not as good, but they, from a like cosmology sense, they are the Fast and Furious of horror movies, which Mm -hmm. is, and Fast and Furious is the MCU of action movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just like that horror has their, you know, cinematic universe kind of thing. Uh Uh, But Annabelle comes kind of like Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah, like Mary Poppins. Uh, but Annabelle Comes Home, it, I think, is the best one of all of them. And Conjuring 1 and 2 are actually good movies. Wait, wait so this is better than Conjuring 1 I think so. Wow. I think so. So the premise is... Uh, what, like, the story is set at the home of the Warrens when they are not home, and is focusing on their daughter her babysitter and the babysitter's friend. Um, and the exciting incident is somehow through whatever, like I won't spoil things, but like Annabelle gets loose, you know, from the little like blessed, holy box that she's kept in. Mm. But then because she's here, she's able to fuck with like 
all the other ha- haunted shit in their house. Uh, so it c- ends up becoming like what I imagine the Goosebumps movie, but good, would have been like because you have like multiple harm, like what feel like backdoor pilots for horror movie right. series. Yeah, like the, uh, one of which I will spoil is a fucking werewolf. Like it's, it sounds, straight up, it's, it sounds like uh, Cabin in the Woods, but they, yeah, they it's not. Could go in any direction. Like five, though. Like it, yeah, it, okay. we're not going like hog wild because it, it would be hard to keep them track, and because there is still clearly intent that like they they want these characters to be unique enough that um the right like there can be rights to these. You know, it's not like oh, there's a mummy, because it's like anyone can make a mummy movie. They want it to be like the Conjuring Universe mummy or whatever, so they all have like mm. unique details and, and rules or whatever. Some are just like cursed objects and not really like monsters or, or you know, or like character entities. Um, but yeah, through that like story concept, it, it's really fun. And then like the three main characters are great. Because they're, like, so... Even when they're doing things, you know, like, that you have kind of the Cabin Wood stuff where it's like, oh, I'm gonna pick up the conch shell now, and you're thinking, like, don't don't fucking pick up the conch shell, like, that's bad. Yeah. Like, all the characters have backstory that's then explained very naturally that then totally justifies all of their behavior that you might not have agreed with in the past, where it's like, Characters doing really dumb things actually is like, oh no, it, t- it totally makes sense why they would do that now because of this reason and that reason and stuff. Um, so it ends up all just being like really strong too for what is the third Annabelle movie? Because the first two Annabelle movies fucking suck. So it's like, it's wild that this movie is as good as it is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really solid. And because of the setting of it, like, Annabelle one, Annabelle one is a prequel to the Conjuring about the backstory of the Annabelle doll, and Annabelle two is a prequel to Annabelle one, adding additional backstory to that, <laughs> and like, so those you like you would have to give a shit about this universe as a whole to even watch those. This one, it's like, no, you as long as you know who the Warrens are or have seen either Conjuring movie, that's all you need to watch this one. Um, I think there's some stuff that's like, remember the nun and how popular the nun was? Ooh, I think there's like one or two things like that, but for the most part, it's, it's like a contained movie. Um, it's really strong. I, I was amazed by how good it was. I will check it out. Yay! Aaron to check it out. Yeah. Uh, cool. So my next one is Cloud Atlas. <sighs> so I had never seen this movie because I, when it came out, there's a lot of people being like, what the fuck is going on? I don't want, the, like, people were very against it, I think. Uh, and then, I, you know, like, it, it kind of had a bunch of different, like, jokes about it. And I kind of had heard very, very, you know, secondhand just like what those jokes were or saw them and I was like oh, uh-huh. I, just, I just don't have enough knowledge about what the hell is going on in that movie to really 
understand any of those jokes or anything like that. So I kind of was sort of interested from that perspective of honestly just being like, you know what, why don't I just finally see this and I'll just kind of be able to judge for myself without, you know, um, mm-hmm. any influence, I guess. And uh, I thought it was fascinating. I So I will, I, I'd say, like... I'd say the worst thing that you can say about it, and I think it was said when it came out and stuff, is that, yes, they do have sequences where they're trying to make Hugo Weaving look Korean or something. Uh Or, you know, or, and they do that with multiple characters, multiple white actors, they, you know, put weird prosthetics that don't really work to try and make them, you know, look Korean, uh, oh. or uh, in Hugo Weaving's case, he's also a woman in one situation, which is fine. That like that works effectively, but like yeah, the the makeup breaks down for when they're trying to make him look Asian. It just looks stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of that, like the kind of the way that it is actually, I don't know. Have you guys seen it? No, no I but I, I know okay. that, like, it's supposed to be more of, like, a reincarnation kind of yes. thing, Yes, yeah. so right? it's, it's, it's a, it's a sh- movie that, where, like, it's, it takes place over, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years or something, maybe thousands, uh, where basically, you know, you see the same people showing up, and they have the same, like, birthmark or whatever, but they're different, you know, people. Like they're, yeah. they're showing up mm-hmm. in different ages, basically, and are somehow connected to each other in ways that they don't understand or whatever. Um, and it's one of those things that, like, it's so like the, the you know the the changing of uh, you know Hugo weaving into a Korean guy. It's not it like it's for a reason. It isn't just a thing of like when they didn't. Hire a Korean person to play a Korean role. It's like right. no. The point is that we're all people, and the same, you know. Because don't they also have like Asian actors who are who are under equally weird makeup to look yes. Caucasian in yeah. different time periods, and then they are without makeup in the time periods where all the right. uh, all the white right. actors it's, are so now it's all, Asian. It's all, it all is, like, in service of the story, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's something that definitely, it's not just a, like, shitty, you know, Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian character for no reason type deal. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, no, there's an actual reason for this, and, uh, you know, it, it's showing that, you know, throughout the ages, even though aspects of this person's identity might change they're still like they still have this this i don't know string of of things that relates mm-hmm. and that draws them to the same type of people and stuff and it, it you know uh all in all i was very impressed with it both as just like a it's a very complex cutting back and forth you know throughout all it's not linear you know kind of thing where it's just like constantly changing what era it's talking about and it's multiple different storylines and it's the same characters in different storylines, you know, like the same (laughs) actors, I mean, in these different storylines. So, like, you have to kind of... It's something that could easily be 
very confusing. Um, but it's not. It's actually shot well and edited well and is understandable and, you know, it's kind of a, a, a technical achievement just in that fact of like, of like, wow, like you made this actually a story that someone could follow and it's a pretty, you know, high level epic. Like, it, you know, it's kind of a hard thing I would imagine to just, you know, to, to set in orderly fashion. Um, so that was impressive. Uh, it kind of just, yeah, it, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, this could be done in a lot of different uh, media, probably. Uh, but I think it's it's kind of amazing and succinct and clear uh, in a film uh, adaptation. Mm-hmm. And it was just really impressive to me. I, I thought it didn't deserve anywhere near the amount of hate that it got you know like people make fun of like um you know there's some stuff where like tom hanks is like you know the big true true and the boat you know whatever and it's like yeah but like when the movie if you actually are into the world like you know yeah language changes over time and this movie is about a couple thousand years of development like you know like so it, it doesn't it's not any more weird than you know the when it when it's in the eighteen hundreds and they sound differently. You know, so like it, it's yeah. kind of one of those things where if you if you go in with a you know accepting kind of like mindset, it actually is a really impressive you know uh, story. And I was just like, wow, this doesn't deserve the amount of shit that it got. Um, yeah, so. I definitely want to go back and check it out because, like, after watching. Sense Eight. I was like, oh, uh-huh. "Fuck!" I do want to go watch all of the Wachowskis stuff yeah. that I missed out on, just because it's like Sense Eight is fucking great, and like that was another kind of like sleeper that was just like, "Oh, I heard mm-hmm. about it," and then when I finally did watch, it, I was like, "Fuck, this is amazing!" And now I'm just like, it, like all the other stuff that was like, "Oh, it was like kind of." too weird or too extra for people to enjoy at the time i'm like sure. maybe i should give it another and chance i'll, I'll be mm-hmm. clear like i i don't like just universally love everything that wachowskis do i think uh the matrix was incredible until it started to get a little bit off but mm-hmm. still was generally good i love v for vendetta i did not like speed racer at all well, it's okay you can uh, be wrong grant like, I I, are wrong I really enjoyed Cloud Atlas. I hear Jupiter Ascending is everything about Jupiter Ascending does actually sound like hot garbage. So, yeah. like you know, I'm not just like you know an apologist for them. I, I just think that this specific movie got a lot of shit and does not deserve it. So yeah, I the thing I I respect for them is they seem to always a hundred percent swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's fucking gutsy as shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and and the fact, like, especially for like these kind of big budget stuff, it's like that's just really cool. We don't get to see that, yeah, very much anymore. So I just respect the the swing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, Speed Race is great, but in all seriousness, Grant, I highly, highly again recommend watching okay. Sensei. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might check Eric. it out. 
Yeah, you might check it out. I probably won't see Cloud Atlas. That's okay. <laughs> Just cause. Out of spite. Yeah, out of spite. So, how do you guys feel about movies centered around uh, pseudo-intellectual characters who think they're way smarter than they actually are and are also terrible people? Oof. Uh, I mean, you just kind of described both me and Eric, so... I mean, yeah, right. that's the thing. Yeah. Like, how much of it is a mirror and it's no, just going to make me hate myself? It won't, because this... The or is it just going to make me hate high school version of me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it probably won't make... Uh, this person specifically worse than you. What you got? Both of you. Combined. Okay. So, horrible human being. Uh, this is a movie called Naked from 1993, directed by Mike Lee. Um, it stars uh, David Thewlis, who is most famous from being um, what's his name? Um, uh, the the Wolfman from oh, Harry Lupin. Potter. Lupin. Yeah, Lupin from yeah oh. Lupin from Harry Potter. Um, this is a movie that is essentially about uh, Henry or David Thewlis plays a character called Johnny Fletcher, and it's basically he is a very like intellectual type minded person who is also just not a good human being. So he understands uh, the jokes in Rick and Morty. Yeah. So he understands the jokes in Rick and Morty. He's like this kind of like insufferable intellectual person. And he's like, he doesn't, he, he's homeless. He doesn't live anywhere. He kind of like lives off the streets. Uh, and the movie isn't really about a plot other than over the course of like a night or two, he's just in London and he's meeting up with his like ex-girlfriend. He's like staying at her place. And then he like goes out. And like, ha there's like this whole extended sequence where he's just led into a building by a security guard, and he's just talking to the security guard about like what life is, and like basically all this like intellectual, like philosophical proselytizing. I can't say that word, so I'm just gonna say yeah. it like that. Proselytizing, um, yeah, yeah, proselytizing. Uh, and he, yeah, um, and he's just like, and keep in mind, like. It's not exactly an easy movie to watch. There's a couple instances of sexual assault in the film, so if that's something that you just really don't want to see ever, uh, don't watch this movie. Uh, but I found, despite the fact that, like, it's one of those movies that I really like watching from, like, an actor perspective of, like, I'm not an actor, but, like, seeing this actor kind of embody this character in such a, like, way that this person feels like somebody that you've just met before. Maybe not as, like horrible like from like a morally standpoint but like you've you've met somebody at least on some level who is this kind of like intellectual who thinks that they're way smarter than they actually are and is just super insufferable about it so like <laughs> you you go through and you watch this movie and you're like i don't like this person but i for some reason find it very entertaining watching this character interact with these people over the course of the movie uh but like i said it's not necessarily an easy watch um the director has a very interesting way of directing things where like he doesn't really work with a script he kind of has like a loose understanding of what he wants his characters to be and then he has these like long sessions where he just works with the character like the actor to kind of come up with the character and like improvise dialogue and then once he's done that for pretty much all the actors he then kind of assembles a script out of it and then makes the movie so it's a lot of like the final product doesn't really have any like a whole lot of um like um ad-libbing or like you know, it, it's a scripted film, but the way the characters kind of came to be and the way the actors kind of embody them is all kind of done through these like long series of like working with the director to really iron things out. And then like 
the stuff is kind of made after that. Uh, mm. And the director has kind of like a long, like he he's a very well regarded British director. I haven't really heard of any of his other movies uh, outside of Naked. I don't remember where I heard about it, but he weirdly does a lot of like family kind of like comedy movies, like more lighthearted. <laughs> Yeah, he does a lot more lighthearted movies from like some of the other things I was looking at. But for the most part, like this movie is pretty dark. It's supposed yeah. to kind of be reflect reflective of Thatchery in England in like the early '90s and late '80s. Um, but I found it to be a very memorable film that I just really liked watching. Um, but as I kind of said before, not exactly a movie that um, if you're if you don't want to be around this character for. Ooh longer than uh like five minutes the most yeah. unrealistic thing about this film is just like the capacity for people to put up with him i was like mm. why are they letting him in this house <laughs> like why <laughs> why is he allowed to be here if, if he would be kicked out in like five minutes if he was like anywhere near me yeah but, right. um yeah this is also the movie that kind of launched that dude's career uh david oh, Thewlis. um but Brian, uh, yeah have you, have you seen uncut gems yet Yes, I've seen Uncut Gems. Is it similar? Because uh, so Uncut Gems has that kind of thing where it's like watching a train wreck of a human being, and it's just kind of hard to look away, even though, like, yeah. I, I thought, you know, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems is like one of the most thoroughly unlikable people that I can't just, I just can't stop watching, like, yeah. for some reason. So, <clears throat> yeah, um, uh, it's definitely got that, like, his character, um, is uh yeah he's kind of got that thing and my, one of the weirdest things is i kind of predicted this was going to be a thing with the movie where i was like this guy says a lot of things and from the perspective of the movie you're not really supposed to take him seriously like he is Ooh. not a person you look up with i'm like i guarantee if i google something about this movie i'm gonna find quotes from this character that people have posted oh, and taken yeah. seriously <laughs> and it, it absolutely does have that there are like Ugh. quotes that this guy says that i'm like i'm like um an idiot like, would think that's yeah. smart. <laughs> like I'm looking at one right now, which is, "What if God was just put it uh, put us here for His own entertainment? That's all we are, just something for Him to have a bit of a laugh at." And it's just like that is like pseudo intellectual. That doesn't fucking Ooh. mean anything. Life and is it, a flat that, circle. <laughs> like that, that's a fucking aim quotes. Like yeah. that you put on your profile. Yeah, and like another one is like you've had the universe explained to you, and and yet you're bored with it. It's just like, oh my god, get the fuck out of your own head! Like, <laughs> there's just there's just a lot of things with this character where I'm just like, you are not supposed to think that this person is like a good person that has really valid ideas. You're supposed to watch this movie and be like, look at this human being that like feels like a real person you've met, and just how like kind of despicable he is. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, yeah. I really like it. I think it's it's. The only website I think the only like place to stream it I think is the Criterion Channel because it's a Criterion Collection movie, um, but uh, yeah, if it's not if it's something that you're not if you're willing to deal with some darker themes and some some like less than moral choices, uh, I think it's a really good movie. But uh, interesting, that it's the hardest recommend I think that's on my list. Gotcha. Well, my next movie is uh, kind of similar to that. It's um. Zombies, the Disney Channel original musical. Oh. <laughs> uh, so this is another one that Helen had already watched, and I I forget what like we were talking about it, or like we knew a second one was coming out. I was like, well, shit, I'll watch this. I'll watch this thing and see what it is. Oh boy, it is so fucking weird. 
So the premise is this movie takes place in a world where there totally was a zombie apocalypse, but then they found a not a cure for zombieism, but like a treatment where mm-hmm. if zombies have this bracelet on, mm-hmm. it actively suppresses the like monsterness of it. And then they're just people with pale skin and green hair. Like oh, cool. that's it. They're it, just people like no open wounds or like fucked up teeth or anything. Cause it's a Disney channel movie. Uh, so that's it. But they're in this city. They're they're like secluded off from the rest of the population. So there's like a zombie borough in the city where all the zombies live, and the rest of the city. Really quickly, you realize, so even though they say this is like just like the, uh, the future of Earth, for whatever reason, it's actually in like a Pleasantville like universe because mm-hmm. like. Outside of Zombieland is like the most like white picket fence universe ever. Like everything's painted in like pastels for some reason. Uh, the main character girl who's human talks about how she was born with white hair and she has to wear a wig. Otherwise, she'd be completely ostracized for being different. Oh, man. But this is also a world where zombie people exist. Uh, so. Again, this is a movie where, like, they just didn't realize they were making a political thriller because, like, the start is the zo- the zombie kids are gonna are now allowed to be integrated into the regular high school, but like, there's so much like very poorly veiled racism and classism when that occurs, where everyone's like obviously afraid of the zombies, even though they've known that there's a treatment for zombies for like generations now at this point uh the wait 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 wait, wait. so the zombies have children yes there are like generations of like the main so it's clearly intended to be like a cheap twilight-esque musical because like the main like the zombie guy is the love interest of the human girl but like he lives with his zombie dad and his younger uh. zombie sister. Like, it's just a family of pe- pale people with green hair at this point. Uh, so all that's super fucking weird, how it's, like, just this, like, very bizarrely handled racism metaphor, and, and like, it, it just is, like, what the fuck is you doing? Like, how do you not know what you're saying right now? Mm-hmm. Combined with like just weird, super catchy pop songs, and then there's there there's only one actor in the whole movie who's like actually acting, and he he's like the antagonist, and he's the cousin of the girl, and he's the the head cheerleader, and like is like super famous for being a great cheerleader. He looks like he has to be related to Fred Savage and Ben Savage, but he doesn't seem to be according to IMDb. <laughs> and he's he's like a thrill to watch cuz he's like you know, like in like the schmaltzy Disney movies where sometimes the villain is the most charming person. Mm-hmm. Very true in this. Um Yeah, it's just so fucking weird. Uh and it's you know it's a, a it's a movie where 
the thing that I thought made this movie really interesting is how to handle this problem that Disney continues to put themselves in with their Disney live action musical things, which is like the films hinge on finding hundreds of triple threat teenagers who can sing, act and dance. And that's Mm -hmm. just fucking impossible. So, like, there's a weird kind of, like, game you get to play with this movie where you'll see a character and it's like, oh, that actress can act and sing, but they can't dance. And then you'll see them do the dance number and be like, yup, they can't, can't fucking dance. But then you'll, there's another person It's like, oh, like, the main love interest guy, great dancer, fucking amazing dancer, can't act for shit, can't sing for shit. But, like, the films are not constructed in such a way to support individual strengths they always expect everyone to be able to do everything and it's just such a bizarre mishmash of like those talents um and zombies 2 was announced where now werewolves exist apparently so i hope werewolf eats a zombie yeah i the i'm super excited for this fucking dumpster fire like the difference between this one descendants is descendants i watch and go like there are like this world is fucking insane, but there are characters I genuinely like. Like I can tell you, like I can list like three or four favorite characters from the Descendants franchise. Everyone in Zombies is trash, and it makes it that much wilder that there's a sequel. Like everyone in that movie just sucks, um, and that is what makes it <laughs> surprising and fun. It is a it is like one of it's the best hate watch movie I've seen this year. Nice. Yeah. Brian, you gonna check it out? No, I won't. <laughs> I won't check it out. Have you listened to any of them? I've only listed art films this entire time. Yeah, me too. Um oh God. and um so you're right. I now have to watch the best art films at Disney original <laughs> musicals. Yep. Grant, yeah, what's your next movie? So this is actually my last movie Ooh, on, my, on my purple list since I combined Paddington. Um, so um, I have uh, on a whim went and saw A Hidden Life, which is Terrence Malick's latest film. I've um, heard that. And uh, you heard that Grant saw it. No, I heard that Terrence Malick's latest film is called A Hidden Life. Oh, well, you're correct. Uh, um, so this is uh, a very it, so it's a very intimate movie. Um, it's a the the story is of this Austrian farmer who. Uh, is you know uh, drafted to uh, basically uh, become a Nazi, you know, uh, or you know to fight in uh, World War Two, um, and basically he decides that he cannot, uh, in good conscience, uh, swear fealty to Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is this Catholic man who's trying to figure out, you know, you know, what to do. He's, he has the situation, he has to 
you know, just trying to avoid it, but then he, he ends up having to, to, you know, show up and, you know, refuse to swear fealty to Hitler. So he's, of course, you know, essentially court-martialed or, you know, he's arrested, I guess. Uh, and um, it's just, it was kind of a fascinating story about this one guy who you know he's a catholic he's not in any like initial danger i guess you know um like you know it's not like a story of a of a jewish family during world war 2 it's a story of this catholic family and he would be fine if he would just you know swear fealty to hitler he would mm-hmm. he would be able to you know even at some point, they're like, you know, you don't even have to like go to the front or whatever. We'll give you a desk job. You know, we don't have to do anything. And he just decides that he cannot do that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of him wrestling with, you know, with, you know, the other countrymen who are, are going along with it, going, you know, with uh, talking to, you know, his his Catholic priest, uh, who's kind of encouraging him, like, look, you know, you're ju- they're going to kill you if you don't, you know, at some point, like, you just, you just need to do this uh, so that you won't die. Uh, you know, and he's like, well, you know, what, what do we do when our leaders are evil? How do we, you know, handle, like, you know, what's the other highest authority, the only other highest authority that I know of in my life, you know, in his life is, is, you know, the Catholic Church. And so he goes to the, the church and kind of he ends up going to talk, to, I think, to his like bishop and, you know, realizes that the bishop is afraid of being killed as well. And just, you know, is in a situation where fear is, is guiding them to go along with it, even though they you know know that the things that are happening are. Uh, are wrong mm-hmm. you know but they just are trying to save their own lives and stuff and it's just kind of a fascinating story to see this guy wrestle with that and eventually decide that you know he does he doesn't have the ability to you know kill hitler or blow up anything or you know whatever he just is not going to go along mm-hmm. um yeah and that has real and intense consequences for you know, his family, like his wife and children are ostracized in their small, you know, Austrian town and like in a town like that, especially in the 40s, like, you know, there's communal, you know, farming and like it's hard to get along mm-hmm. without him there and without them being able to use the resources of the town. Like, uh, so it's not an easy decision. And I, I just thought it was a really. It's it's beautifully shot like unbelievably gorgeous to to you know look at these kind of situation where he's kind of pensively thinking and, and looking out over his his farm and stuff in austria it's gorgeous uh there's also a lot of like incredibly you know intimate re- kind of real feeling scenes where he's kind of just lying with his wife in a field or kind of watching his playing with his children or whatever, you know, and it really gives you a sense of what he has to lose. Um, but it's just a story of this kind of 
individual act of bravery and it, it's it's less about who this specific guy was and more about there are you know at the end it kind of talks about how there are you know thousands you know of people who have demonstrated on an individual level small acts of bravery that nobody will ever really know mm -hmm. about but that's not you know the important part about it the important part is that they you know decided to act on that and and uh you know decided that no they can't go along with something that they don't agree with or that they think mm -hmm. is is fundamentally wrong um it's a really long movie it's like three hours long yeah I was gonna say, uh, it's a terrence malick film it's probably it's, a million years long right it's really long um i'd say for me i didn't feel the length like i, I was interested the entire time and and it is very slow and pensive, and so, like, I would say, know that going in, that, you you know, you have to be in the mood for that kind of a thing, for it to, you know, for you to be able to engage with it and to get, you know, yeah the most out of it, I think. But um, if you're able to, you know, ha be in that kind of mood for something like that, um, I think it's a, a really, really beautiful film so not not the most accessible or one that you want to try just at any old time but something that if you do make the effort or you know to engage with it i think is a, a really um rewarding uh film to watch i, I was i it was definitely of i think all of the the films uh that i watched this year it was the one that stuck with me the most where i just was kind of quietly thinking about it after I saw it for a while, you know? So, um, I, I really, really liked it. Might see it. Got a might. Listen, I've seen might, enough. Yeah. I've seen way too many eight hour long movies this year. This is it, definitely it, the most artsy of my films. So, well, so I see your artsy three hour long film and I also uh -huh. come at you with an artsy three, hour, yeah. artsy three hour long film. <laughs> Brian, coming back at you with the Criterion Collection uh, uh, films. Uh, so uh, the next movie I have is Stalker uh, by Tarkovsky. Uh, mm -hmm. Andre Tarkovsky. I don't know if that's his first name. Or F. Yes, it is. That might not be how you pronounce it, but fucking got it. Uh, this is uh, a, I was going to say a video game. <laughs> <laughs> it's based off of a short story or a book called Roadside Picnic and also the the start of the uh, there's a series of games called Stalker which are based m off of this movie kind of based off the novel uh, it's really weird to think about a three hour long art film being having a series of survival video games being based off of them uh, <laughs> so that's, that's certainly the oddest thing but anyway Stalker is a movie about um a few people going into this place called the zone which is a weird location that apparently is very dangerous and sectioned off by the government and apparently within the middle of the zone there is a place that will grant wishes uh so somebody known as a stalker who has who knows the zone well enough to travel through it is leading a couple characters to the location where you can make a wish and it is very slow and it's very arty um so uh, it's not necessarily a movie about the plot, more about how it makes you feel. Uh, there's lots of sex scenes that are just conversations about philosophy and life and the characters kind of just 
talking about what why they're here uh and then there's also really long takes of nothing happening there's like a the movie at the very beginning has like probably like a four minute take where the camera is just slowly zooming in on the door to a bedroom until it finally gets to the bed and then the guy eventually gets out of bed and then he's like he like brushes teeth and does some stuff very slow movie um and that was kind of the point uh tarkovsky said about the film that he only cares about the opinion of two directors for it uh which is uh um igmar bergman and um robert bresson uh but also he said that he tried to make the movie at least in the beginning as dull and boring as possible so people would leave the theater <laughs> before the interesting <laughs> stuff happens which is a very i there there's a certain you gotta uncomprom- respect that yeah yeah our tarkovsky has a very uncompromising um like viewpoint when it comes to film that you just really gotta respect um also this movie was filmed like three fucking times because uh, the first time he filmed it using a new camera, a new film stock, and then when he sent it to get developed, it came back green. Because the <laughs> it, since it was a, since it was a new film stock, the, the 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 studio didn't develop it properly, so the film came back unusable. So there's like one scene in the final product of the movie that um, actually has that footage, and then he fired his cinematographer, and he's like, "I'm making it again," and he filmed it a second time. Apparently, he didn't like how it came out, so he he scrapped it. Filmed it a third time with it with. A different cinematographer uh and that was the version that got made it's like two hours and 45 minutes long it's also a movie that you really need to be in the mood for because like i said it's a very slow movie when i watched it i like turned all my lights out i had my headphones on i reclined back in my like desk chair and i was just like i'm going to focus entirely on watching this movie and when you go into that perspective it's very absorbing and it's like super atmospheric and it's a really i think it's a really really good film and it's also uh, very memorable in in how I guess not necessarily in like I could tell you plot for point for plot point what happens for the movie or like what this specific conversation was about but it just kind of leaves you with like a lasting emotional feeling mm-hmm. uh, about how uh, where the movie leaves off and um, yeah uh, it's the only Tarkovsky film I've seen and he's obviously a very uh, influential director well not necessarily yeah, I guess influential but he's a very well known director. And this might have been also the movie that got him killed because they filmed downstream from like some sort of like plant that they were filming at for a couple of the scenes. And like three people in the production all died from the same type of cancer that they think originated from where they were filming, which is really unfortunate that like that's just the thing that happened. So Stalker is one of his last movies, um, but uh, also a really good film, in my opinion, but also one that you have to be in the mood to, to watch and i just think it's really bizarre that you have a series of video games loosely based off of it yeah. you know from what i read about yeah. the short story i keep saying short story it's not i don't think it's a short story but from what i read about um roadside picnic sounds very different and also the writer of that story also wrote the script for the movie so like it's not like it was a uh it, it's kind of an interesting thing in that it kind of diverges a lot from the book, but it was also written by the same person. So it, yeah. it kind of creates a weird thing where it's like, you can't really say that it's a bad adaptation when the guy who wrote the original yeah. wrote the movie, but he kind of sounds like he wrote it to be a more slow art, like art movie than the like sci-fi novel that the, the book is. Yeah. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I have, I, I swear, I genuinely mean it, a more accessible movie this time. Uh, it's called You Might Be the Killer. 
and yeah. it's very much in the vein of like uh Cabin in the Woods, Leslie Vernon, like you know, clean horror tropey movie, but then like some twists and some comedy and stuff. So if you check out the tra- so the main cast is uh the main guy is the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. And nice. then the and it's Allison Hannigan. What? Allison Hannigan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. So she's so the premise is like she answers the phone, she's working at just like a movie shop or like a like a FYE kind of thing, like entertainment store. Um and her friend, who is the the stoner from Cabin in the Woods, calls and is like, I'm literally in the murder of a slasher movie at the camp that I work at. You need to help me because you're the expert on these things. And then like they kind of go nice. through some questions. And it's like, wait, so like you you saw so and so die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, how did you escape? It's like, well, I did this and this, and then it's like, no, no, but like between those, it's like, oh, I don't remember. Like they kind of very quickly they break like figure out that like he has just like gaps in his memory that and she's like he I mean I don't mean to alarm you but you might be the killer like it's very early in the that it's like that this guy's probably the <laughs> the actual killer um mm-hmm. and then cool. a lot of the movie is like him explaining to her the timeline of events and then her you know Socratic method helping him piece things together. So it's a lot of like flashbacks and stuff. But it's done very stylistically. It's actually kind of funny because they do they kill count the movie themselves. So like as they're piecing together the timeline, you'll cause he'll be like, okay, so that's when Jerry died. And it's like, okay, how many people were dead at that point? It's like, oh, that's seven. So like you'll see Jerry die and then like a seven will appear on the screen because he's the seventh kill in the timeline of the movie kind of thing. That's fun. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's pretty just fun. It's another, like, fun comedy slasher thing. Um, you could, there could be a concern where, like, if you've watched a bunch of these at this point, uh, it might be like, oh yeah, this is another one, it's fine. Um, but, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it was fun. Um, yeah, it should be a very... I think it's like one of those good like Halloween movies to have in your back pocket because yeah you always end up in that situation where it's like it's Halloween I want to watch something ha- Halloweeny horry but like I don't want something super dark or super depressing or you know it's like oh yeah just having a movie like this in your back pocket and like everyone's fucking seen Cabin in the Woods by now honestly everyone in our circle has seen Leslie Vernon by now so like we're kind of running out of these safe bet fun horror movies so like this is another one i like that, I like that you said you always find yourself in i that do situation. always find myself it, in that it's situation halloween. you always find out that it's halloween. <laughs> I, it just happens to be uh, halloween but like you, you know what i mean it's i think it, it was more so when we were in college or when we were had yeah. uh, like great you have a lot more of our friends living nearby now where it's like hey it, it might not be halloween night but it's like around then and a, and it's a group of people who are like okay we definitely want to watch a horror movie or something halloween themed but like if we try to find like a good like a really good horror movie we're just gonna bicker about it for like an hour or something 
and like or people don't want something super scary because someone in the group can't handle horror movies or you know this other one that's really good is also super depressing like th- i think this is a good like crowd pleaser horror movie you know mm-hmm. so yeah all right something different from brian now oh boy. i don't know why i'm talking to myself in the third person again you do it all it. the time all right so this isn't an art <laughs> film uh this is a perfect film. Uh, it is. Ooh. Yeah. Reanimator. I watched it because the kill count was coming out. And it's like, oh, I've always wanted to check that out. Movie is like an hour and a half. And it's just it's just perfectly paced. It's stupid and campy. And it's got great gore effects. It's just kind of like you got uh, the, uh, the guy playing Herbert West just hamming it up the entire movie. And he does such a fucking good job. And like I watched this movie and it went by like in an instant. I was like, Ooh. wow, I did like it did not feel like I spent an hour and a half watching this movie. It's just one of those movies where it's just like, yeah, it's it's like a dumb B schlocky film. But like, it's just a super fun one to watch. And there isn't really. Yeah, it's pretty like it's pretty. Amazing. It's pretty. It's pretty just pretty much just hits everything that it needs to hit for the type of movie it is. Mm-hmm. And there isn't really a whole lot that I could be like, yeah, they could have done X, Y and Z better. It was like. No, they just executed really well on the dumb idea that they had, and it's it's really good. Nice. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, so I have my last movie, which was uh, I think I mentioned it to Grant once. Uh, the Incredible Jessica James. So it has uh, one of the uh, former like um, Daily Show correspondents as the lead actress in it. Um, most of the movie is about like it's a post breakup kind of coming of age story. Um, so she's a relatively recent college graduate, young adult. Um, it's you know dry humor comedy. It's but it's intended to be very grounded. Anything that seems fantastical is later revealed to be like daydreaming or a dream or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason it's on this list, and because it really, like, I, I don't think this is a movie that everyone needs to watch because it's really only like one scene that I, that put it on my purple movies. Um, so she's a uh, former, or she's a graduate from like a, a really really good theater program. Like I don't remember, but if you watch the movie, you would see the diploma on her wall and be like, "Holy shit, that's like a crazy good school." Um, Juilliard? Uh, maybe? I don't know. Um, the point okay. being, like, she has a really strong educational background in theater, but is not finding professional success now that she's in the quote-unquote real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she works with this after-school group doing, like, theater classes for, like, really young children. It's It's mostly, like, improv games and stuff, but you know, there's like, oh, like the kids are going to write their own monologue or their own scene and perform them for the parents, like that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the plot lines outside of her relationship stuff and dating is trying to get all of her kids both permission to go and also very excited about this like writer's retreat thing that's happening where like just different like successful playwrights are just like go, like going to this retreat are going to be around and like you'd be able to like talk to them and ask questions and stuff and there's one playwright that she's just like a huge fan of like you know Tony award winning whatever and I don't know if it's a real person or not um, 
But at the end of the movie, when they do do this retreat, uh, the main character is talking to this playwright. Is like, how did you know when you like made it? Like when you're like finally like doing the thing you love. And and there was a part where she's like, "What are you talking about? Like this is theater. You never you're never done. Like like I'm still like scrounging for jobs and like trying to make ends meet and stuff. It's like, what? No, you're." Tony Award winning playwright. How is that possible? It's like that's the nature of it. Um, but then there's kind of, they kind of flip it around, and is like, like, oh, what do you do? And she talk, talks about like the the theater program she's doing with his kids, and she's like, I mean, you're in the field, you're in the industry, like you're you're doing it too, and like kind of reflects the like, if you love the field if you just like truly just love the field you're in just that ability to be a part of it is like almost is like enough in a way like that that doesn't i don't think that's really what i mean about it but like the scene really hit home for me cuz like with our professional career like i'm simultaneously like pretty far into it in terms of time and like financially and responsibility wise, like successful, but in a role that's still generally recognized as like not one of the like destination roles, quote unquote. Like it's not where people usually aim to end up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get self conscious about that and like wondering if do I have further ambitions and then even phrasing that is kind of negative of like well no like the career i have is a very vital important one i shouldn't think about it disparagingly the way other people incorrectly do um mm. and so like that kind of reminded me of like oh yeah i just love the field and the fact that i get to be a part of it and have a contri- contribution in the field is like well, that's what really matters like mm-hmm. labels and stuff and and outside of that are not as important so that part of this movie i thought was very uh relatable and had a good parallel and stuff so that's yeah and that sick. is my last purple movie for the year i've out purpled you all you yep. fools i got three mm. more purple movies Jesus. I, can... I mean i can list ones from last year if you want no 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 it'll I mean, shoot me if i do that yeah uh I mean, these ones won't be super duper long. Um, so, uh, last next one is the Lighthouse. I really like the Lighthouse. I think it's good. Uh, it's got really good performances. The black and white and the kind of not and like the square aspect ratio really kind of helped make this movie feel as like tightly contained as the characters feel during the movie. I thought overall it was a very effective film. Uh, I wouldn't really. It's considered a horror movie, but I, you know, it's one of those movies that's more stretching the bounds of horror. Yeah like yeah um and but i don't i think the the lighthouse is really good um it is definitely not i mean it's pretty well critically acclaimed but i also don't think it's another movie that's particularly mass like wide appeal Mm -hmm. um but you know people who like the vavitch probably will like the lighthouse i wasn't a huge fan of the vavitch but i really like the white house the lighthouse uh i don't like the white house uh currently currently um but um I really liked the, the the lighthouse quite a bit, um, and it was a lot. It was a movie that was also really fun to read about after seeing it and kind of seeing some of the like imagery explained because there were certain things that I'm not gonna spoil or anything, but there were definitely certain like images within the film that were a bit lost on me, just not 
having historical or um, mythological context for them. Uh, so, but um, really good. Um, the next one was also a movie that for some reason I feel like I saw pitched as a horror movie, but isn't a horror movie, and that's Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably my favorite movie of the last year. Uh, I am. I really want to see it. It's very movie. good. Uh, I'm not going to really get into the plot of it all that much because I feel like that's kind of like you know where you where you see the plot evolving to and kind of how the themes evolve out of the plot is a lot of the interesting fun part of watching the movie uh i mean obviously you can see the movie with knowing more about it but i i feel like there's a certain level of enjoyment that comes out of that uh it's not a movie i want to say like i'm trying not to say that like there are certain movies where you you hear about a twist and it's like oh that ruins the entire movie it's like well the whole movie was hinging on the twist being good. Then was it really that great of a movie? Maybe like it depends on the kind of movie you're going into, but I feel like this mm-hmm. is a movie that like, despite all the twists and turns the movie takes, it's still a really good story. It's got really good themes um, that are really poignant in this time. Uh, uh, I'm going to butcher how his name is pronounced, but the directed by uh, Bong Joon Hoo, Jun Ho. Uh, and I'd only seen um, the host, what she did in 2006 which is a very good movie but uh he's also directed multiple movies that have been on my two watch list for a very long time including memories of murder uh mother and snowpiercer all movies i have not seen apparently are also all very good uh but yeah this guy's fucking talented as fuck director and it's a very very good movie uh i think they did another movie that they did i Okja. did see okja okja is so Okja's fucking good okay i Okja's was off really by good. the the weird the weird cgi uh uh, so, uh, two things I'll say about Octra real quick. That uh, one is it is it the animal and, and like some of the character behavior and stuff. It does feel like um, anime like se- sensibilities in a live action mm-hmm. movie, um, but not like closer to like the Detective Pikachu than the like speed racer like i i don't think it, it's distracting or anything uh, i will say very very aggressive blatant uh animal rights themes in it i mean um, from judging from the rest of his films he's very much a uh social commentary uh pretty heavy on that in a lot of his movies including parasite but parasite um like you know he wrote the movie to be more tailored towards uh korean um culture and mm. society but you know the themes of uh classism and stuff like that are all very poignant pretty much everywhere mm. in the world so um i mean i'll probably also check that one that, yeah, that out i recommend uh, it but i mean this guy's pretty much looking at his list of movies he pretty much consistently knocks it out of the park like i don't think yeah. he has a bad one in the bunch uh and also this movie stars uh uh um Parasite Songs has Song Kang Ho in it, who is a Korean director that I've seen in a lot of Korean movies that I've watched, and he's always very, very, very good. Um, so yeah, uh, Parasite. And the last movie is one that both of you have seen, and I was almost a little hesitant to put it on the list just because it's so obvious, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a weird thing to say about a personalized yeah. list that meets criteria that's specific to myself, but it's Knives Out. Uh, oh yeah, Knives Out is great. Yeah, it's just a movie. I was tempted yeah. to put that on my list, but I don't think for for my criteria, it didn't surprise me. I expected it to be fucking amazing because I love Ryan yeah. Johnson, and it yeah. was. 
but uh, yeah. yes, I mean, I went in expecting awesome. it to be good. I liked it a whole lot. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be as focused around uh, a sit like, you know, I knew it was a murder mystery, but I didn't think we were going to have a a classic detective. I mean, not that he's based on anyone like specifically, but just seeing no, but he's far uh, yeah, 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 but seeing he's... a kind of new uh, detective in that classical like yeah hero yeah. and and Sherlock pantheon that is just just seeing daniel craig ham it up with his southern accent is yeah. just so much fun <laughs> like i like he's just such a blast and like that movie's got such a fucking stellar cast it's got like i was a, i don't know why i was that much worried but like the last time there was a murder mystery with a large cast that had all great actors was murder on the orient express i didn't think oh, that, yeah. that was all yeah. that great it was good but like I didn't. I was disappointed like, by that. When I saw the trailer for Murder on the Orient Express, I was like, "Oh man, it stars Kenneth Branagh and it's got um like yeah. all these really good actors in it that are just great." And I was like, mm-hmm. eh, "Well, you know, for having as good of a cast as it did, didn't necessarily lead to anything that I thought was spectacular." But I think the cast in Knives Out, uh, like some characters, left me wanting a little bit more, but not in a bad way, but just because I really <laughs> like those actors, like. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you got fucking Michael Shannon. I fucking love Michael Shannon for life. Yeah, uh, you know Tony yeah. Collette does a real. I love Tony Collette's character in this movie. That like lifestyle guru. <laughs> she just fucking like, especially since the last movie I saw Tony Collette in was Hereditary. Just seeing her pull like a complete <laughs> yeah. one eighty yeah. to just like a different type of character. Uh, and it's also got uh, one of the. I don't want to say criminally underrated, but like most casted actor I've seen one these days that's always really good. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, he's in. Oh, he's man, just he's in so, so many movies these days, and I'm like every single time I'm like yeah. he always does a really fucking good job. He's great in Uncut Gems. He's really good in Sorry to Bother You. Even in Death Note, which is not a very good movie, I I liked his portrayal of L. Yeah, I I would have liked the costume yeah. design on him to be different because it's a little animated for. Yeah. His portrayal. He, he's also in uh, Eric's last thing, The Incredible. Just oh yeah, he is in that. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, um, he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the um, last movie. Um, there were some movies that I watched. That was the first movie I watched in December. So the whole month of December, there were movies that I liked in there, but there weren't any any uh, purple movies. Like, and it's kind of hard because sometimes I'll. I'll add one and then remove it later in the year if I like kind of like, you know, feel less strongly about it or movies that I don't have purple. And then enough time passes and I'm like, oh, I'm still thinking about that movie. I'm going to go ahead and do that. So like there are movies that were close. The the movie that was probably the closest would be Uncut Gems, which I don't like as much as Good Time. Another movie by the Safdie brothers, but it's still a very good movie and and, kind of actually shows that Adam Sandler really knows how to act when he has a script and a director there. Rather than him doing his yeah. own movies, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's it. It's kind of weird looking because I I have my I re-edited my lists to be one page where I have a column for each year now. Mm-hmm. I have less in the pe- previous year, but I they're like I even more strongly am like confident in them uh, for my 2018 list, like that my. The purple movies from 2018 I have, I will love forever. And these ones, I was like, oh, yeah, they had a thing that made me think they were interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I kind of struggled to purpleize some movies this year. 
Yeah, I, I think I got in my own head a little bit with 2019. It like it erupted a lot more naturally. Erupted. It erupted a lot more naturally <laughs> in 2018. Not saying. I mean, there's a lot of movies in 2019 that are just like objectively very, very good films. Like the last three mm. movies that I mentioned, I think are all like. I mean, honestly, I'd say the last like even fucking Reanimators in the Criterion Collection. That's like not a movie nice. you would think to be in a collection with that's mostly dedicated to Igmar Berman and just weird art films from the 1960s. But it's there. <laughs> uh. And yeah, 2018, I, I can't get into any of those because we've been going on for a while. But uh, I will say really ran quickly. A couple movies, the highlights of 2018 were Super Dark Times, 45 Years, um, E2 Mano Tambien, and Oslo, August 31st, and The Vanishing. Are we doing our 2018s real quick? I mean, that was not all. <sighs> them. That was just ones that okay. I was like, those I'm going to do mine then. Uh uh, I can't really pronounce it. Noroi, The Curse, uh, Savage Land, uh, and The Ring versus The Grudge, and Animal World are all are my 2018 purple movies. I didn't purple it, but I saw no. I fucking I watched Noroi The Curse this year for uh, it was my movie club pick for oh, so good uh, for um October. I was the only one who loved it. I was like, this is a Brian movie. It's so fucking movie. slow. And there's like no plot for like mm-hmm. the first like 40 minutes of it when it's just like, here's some footage of a weird Japanese like yeah, reality show. And then show it where... all matters. Like, and then it all matters in the end. I'm like, that was great. I loved it. Yeah, I love it. Um, Ooh. Yeah, should Grant, we? You should check that one out. Yeah, I don't know if Grant will like it. He might not. Um, I don't know. 50 50. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I Since you guys did an extra thing, I'll do a little extra thing. My purple actor for this year Ooh. is uh, Adam Driver. Um, he's so fucking good, and I enjoy—I've enjoyed him like for a long time. I've, I've thought that he was uh, good, but this was kind of the year that I don't know. I just saw a lot of stuff with him in it, and he was great in all of it. And it kind of just hammered home. Like I saw. Uh, every movie that he did this year, and they're all, he was great in all of them. Uh, so I like the mm. report, which is uh about a CIA uh, or a guy investigating uh CIA uh post nine eleven, like looking at their detention interrogation program. Um, the Dead Don't Die, which is like a weird, goofy zombie movie that he did yeah, with Bill Murray. That's, that's just Jim, yeah. It's Jim Jarmusch. He's a it's very, he's weird. very weird. He's a strange director. He did Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai uh, uh, okay. with um, Forrest Whitaker about a hitman who adheres to the code of Bushido. Okay. Uh, uh, I, just, just a fun I fact. Don't like, I've made clear I don't like The Rise of Skywalker, but Adam Driver like was still great in everything that he was asked to do. Uh, Marriage Story is a devastating movie um it's really good but it like you know it's hard to watch uh it's it's uh and he's really 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 good in it um so i agree yeah i i really like adam driver i can't wait to see what he does into the future me too he's a good good actor um so yeah, movies are pretty good sometimes. Yeah, movies. I like uh, this tradition now. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. 
the tradition of uh, talking about it on this podcast for one year. Uh, well, we're not just tracking our cinematic universe after two movies and tradition after one year. I think we actually did technically do this in the previous iteration of our podcast last year of like talking about our like quote unquote like noteworthy movies of the oh, year, mm-hmm. but we just didn't literally call them the purple movies yet. Yeah, that, that, like, was, that like term, term was popularized this year. Popularized. Yep. <laughs> Used yeah. by like five people, maybe. Uh, I do like it's, the term. Well, we're going to request all our listeners to tell us their yep. purple movies in the comments. Yeah. Well, let's do yeah. that then. Uh, so I think we're yeah. wrapping up. So uh, yeah. thanks, uh, Brian, for coming on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, Brian. Th- thank Brenna I'll ch- for her I'll, awesome I'll check them out. <laughs> <laughs> uh Thank Brenna for awesome artwork. Thank you, Dave, for uh, editing and giving us uh, theme music. Uh, and yes, uh, if you would like to comment uh, on SoundCloud and tell us your purple m- movies, that would be just wonderful. Um, cool. Well, that's it. Bye. Bye-bye. I love Bye. you. Bye.